Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. episode of those conspiracy guys this time we're talking about a very mysterious case uh a man found on a beach hands in his pockets and uh he is brown bread nobody knows who he is he has shiny shoes and a small note in his pocket that's from an ancient poetry book it sounds mad uh it gets deep this time we're talking about the somerton man and joining me in the studio i have artist comedian uh, podcaster extraordinaire and representative of the Irish people the world over, uh, Mr. Jarlett Regan. Welcome, Jarlett. Thanks so much for having me. It's yeah. great to be on the show. It's great big, to have you, fan. man. Uh, your your podcast, Irishman Abroad, topping charts, breaking hearts, and uh, bringing Irishness to the ears of many. It's much more straightforward than your show in many ways, right? Yeah. Your show really goes and goes and goes <laughs> and goes into areas, and as much like I, I really uh, envy the. Uh, just the freedom you have in this show. Because most of the people I talk to are famous and very conscious of what they're saying. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm yeah. hoping that it doesn't James gun me on the other end. That like, you know, I end up getting quite successful and then people are going back on. Did you hear, it through. Yeah, did yeah, you hear yeah. what he said in 2015? It definitely will happen. I've said some shit. Mm. But uh, I, 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 I won't force you into saying anything Not uh, at all. defamatory or salacious. Away, but, like, <laughs> have to be free. Um, this, this, uh, before we get into it, I just want to tell everybody, uh, if you, you know, if we've said anything wrong or do you have any corrections or any extra information, you can contact us on all the usual places, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Pinterest, all the stuff. And we have a website as well, thoseconspiracyguys.com, where you find all the articles, supporting, uh, information, videos, and, uh, all the crack, uh, other episodes and everything, and all the contact details. And, uh, if you want to subscribe to the, to the podcast on any of those apps, there's a nice little widget on there and you can click on your certain app and it'll automatically subscribe you we also have uh, a youtube channel a bitshoot channel and minds.com uh, youtuber acting the cunt at the moment uh, banning people and kicking people off and doing all this kind of shit 1984 so uh, i like to keep all of my documentaries and all of my um let's say more questionable content uh, would be all over at bitshoot uh, where the mind police don't patrol and uh, we also have a tea public store which is all the merch you can get all these designed uh, 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 conspiracy themed t-shirts and and uh, other 
paraphernalia at tpublic.com slash those conspiracy guys there's a link on the website as well and this show is made possible by all the wonderful bastards at patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys keeping the stuff rolling keeping the lights on and uh we're also streaming live if you're watching to the people from patreon so if you want to get in and li- get them live streamed get them right into your ears straight away uh head to patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys and drop a couple of dollars and support the show and you can watch them streamed live they're then taken down and i, I release them as they go along over the next nine months but uh yeah it's, it's probably your only chance to get them all in one go uh, the reason i'm doing it all in one go is because we're heading off to america heading off to america to do 12 documentaries and a big massive trip all around the 48 continental states uh, and you can find out more about that at gofundme.com slash those conspiracy guys it would really help if you if you help a brother out get a fiver roll it up in a ball throw it up the internet it's like buying me a beer or a coffee an expensive coffee i know coffee doesn't cost a fiver but it helps i need fourteen thousand people to do it there's i think 1034 people right now have donated over twenty-five thousand euro to make this thing happen it's definitely happening Claire's taken off her job. We're definitely going 100%. And now all it, all it means is whatever you donate will make the production better on the other end. So have a bit of faith. You know, buy a brother a beer. I don't drink, so just send me the fiver. And uh, that's rude if you do that in a bar, though. If you're like, can I get you a drink? No, but I'll take a fiver. <laughs> Cheers. Um, seriously, support the show if you can, if you haven't supported on Patreon. Like a one-time thing. Bang it out. And at the end of it, you'll get 12 feature-length documentaries. On, People don't realize uh, how easy it is. I to think donate. that's one of the, the, the problems with Patreon is people go, oh, Patreon, I'm going to have to sign up for a half an hour. It's just but like click, It actually takes you like a minute. You can put your PayPal in. Yeah, you, you pop your PayPal in easy, and easy. it just pings up. And what I think what also people don't realize is it feels like, oh, someone else will do it. No, you're the lifeblood of this show. This yeah. is the thing. Like I have a Patreon page as well, not to plug my shit. Yeah, well, well, this is what I was going to ask you as well. You but know? like... It's, it's like it's so like when there's a fire easy. outside or you smell gas in the street like mm-hmm. ring the, the the fire the fire brigade don't mind getting 30 calls but if everyone thinks someone else is going to do it yeah, there's some cons you, you do have a tendency and then you sign up and you realize how appreciative the person is of that and it is why there's such great uh creative work coming out of there well i think that our patreon page like from the stats that i get off patreon i'm putting up more posts like in volume and quantity and quality than 95 percent of really? other people on the platform yeah. i put up like 40 posts a week so there's like early access to vlogs you get these streamed episodes there's outtakes there's uh my guest spots on other podcasts and there's little uh, uh, vlogs from recording we're like we're going to do a vlog in here today so behind the scenes kind of stuff and i'm lashing them out everyone's getting early access to all this stuff and that's kind of what patreon is that little yeah, you're, bit you're extra, given you know? massive value for money i think so i think so and the gofundme thing is like that exponentially increased because you're getting 12 feature-length documentaries yeah and there's also the element of at the end if you're of a fan of the show yeah you want to be able to say i was part of that before i get I was like the reason rick that james series came about exactly yeah and they also i noticed that if they sign up on the gofundme thing they can even be like listed as a producer. Yeah, th- I had uh, one very generous donation from a, a lady called Jody the other day of 500 smackaroonies. And she's from Canada. And what does she get for that? Well, she's going to get a part, like a, 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 a small part in one of the oh, documentaries. Christ. So at some point, I'm going to be I'm going to be in like Oklahoma. See you in Oklahoma, Jody, And she's going to fly down and Amazing. be part of it. So like the shit is real. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Um, so gofundme.com slash tcg tv is the link for that if you want to head to that and all the links from all the stuff if you want to be lazy is in the description in the youtube or in the podcast description below charlotte tell us an irish man abroad what is the crack because people should be listening to it 
Well, it's a long form interview show and long form in that usually when you talk to famous people or you see them on the telly, it's 10 minutes. Yeah. What's the book? When's it out? Yeah. Good luck. Functional. Yeah. Jimmy Whereas, Fallon, fake laughing. Yeah. So we James go Corden. long form, an hour and a half most of the time with yeah. someone who doesn't usually do these. Like yeah. usually Bob Geldof, uh, Boy George, someone of Irish heritage. Uh, Lenny Abramson's done two and they're just long long chats in-depth research into their life so I would you know I put I kind of pride myself on doing like you hours and hours like cover, uncover stuff they didn't know anybody could know about yeah yeah and then present them with that and see you know because oftentimes you'll see someone's face light up and they're going, How the fuck nobody's did you know asked that? me about that. Yeah, yeah. And I love talking about that because yeah. people usually just go Wikipedia. Well, it's it's a thing like, do you, do you ever watch that Canadian guy, Nardware? No. I think he's called the Human Serviette, Nardware. <laughs> if you're talking about like st- fucked up, strange, rare nuggets inside interviews, like he, he goes backstage with musicians and he's like, um, when you were 13, uh, somebody somebody f- found you masturbating in a bush. What do you think about that? And he's like, how the fuck did you know about that? Nobody knows about that so except me and that guy. He, he, yeah. like, he's so good at getting back into the stuff. And I've heard you interview people. Most recently, one of the most, like I guess, controversial ones was Graham Linehan, who produced Father Ted and the mm. IT crowd and loads of those. And he talked to you about something that he, he won't talk to anyone about. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is the, well, that the, was always our dream was issue. to get to a point where... People would, famous people, not even famous, but just well-known people yeah. would get in touch with us because they know the shit's that for real. We, will, we will treat it yeah. with the respect it deserves, allow them to talk it out mm. without taking it out of context or ambushing them. So he, Graham did come to me after, uh, you know, he had a cancer scare and, uh, and had been, you know, had had a really bad episode online where... He'd been attacked and, you know, he wanted to just set the record straight. So, yeah, that was a big episode recently for us. But Uh, it would dissuade famous people from from like um, maybe commenting on some of these zeitgeist topics of the day. Like he he, talked about the transgender issue and, you know, political correctness is at like peak Mm -hmm. annoyance for anybody who wants to have a real conversation about anything at the moment. Mm -hmm. And like we've done a show on cultural Marxism, we've done a show on the KKK and and uh, like this whole last season six has been kind of about race and about like identity and about sexuality and about all these things uh I like to team the the kind of the seasons and the cultural the cultural Marxism episode like really showed where these kind of ideologies are coming from so your interview with him w- was very interesting because he's like telling how he really feels but but you're not allowed to say that you're not quote unquote not allowed to say that kind of stuff so it's great to hear Which you get into people and have them open up in a way that I I think would happen with like you know we're going for coffee in private. Well, this is this, this is my <laughs> and then the my, kids broadcast. Well, this is totally my slogan: is uh, yeah. podcasts are the new pints. Yeah, yeah. But to get Irish men to open up in the past, you had to put six pints in front of them. At the men's sheds. Nowadays, or you put two mics down and say we're going to put this on iTunes tomorrow. Yeah, and they open up. But obviously, you know, there's other reasons why they open up. Um, but I did think with that that it was kind of bore out the the kind of benefit and the reason why. Yeah. These chats are important because he was essentially being told you cannot say how you feel yeah. on this. And his his like opinion was things like, uh, 
you know, five-year-olds are now being allowed to select their gender. Yeah. Now I just wanted Let's him to that. talk about that. Yeah. No judgment. Yeah. And then, you know, he put forward his opinion on why uh, he felt the way he felt. And and he was like, now, come come at me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and the whole not, internet did. Not that it's a game or it's oh, judo, yeah, you know? I just challenge him on it. Like, just say, well, I'll play devil's advocate and I'll give you four different challenges on that. And surely that's of benefit. Surely the point is... Those conversations need to be had, yeah. Have conversations. Yeah. And that's what we try to do with those conspiracy guys as well. And the long form is great because, you know, uh, like a rope-a-dope, you know, rumble in the jungle kind of thing, it ends up, people get so comfortable and they forget that there's like a camera and there's microphones and there's a public ear... Mm you know, maybe not synchronized with the conversation, but definitely at some point that's going to get out there and they loosen up a bit and they forget about that and they start telling some stuff. Like, you've had some whoppers on the show, some, like, serious people talking about stuff that I don't think they've ever said to anyone True. in, yeah, a, in yeah. a, a broadcast medium ever before. Mm. Probably Gary Lightbody from Snow Patrol was the most recent one where, you know, that man came so close to the end. And, you know, I, I don't And you never know. You'd listen to yeah, the music. Even his best friends were getting in touch. Yeah. Going, we didn't know. Yeah. But because he had the space to do it with someone who wasn't going, we're going to ads in 30 seconds. Can you finish up this suicide answer real, real quick here, yeah. Gary? Uh, and you can feel it when you're in those interviews. You can feel this person's using me. Yeah. This person doesn't care. Like an RTE job or something. I'm not a journalist. Like a, I'm a comedian. Yeah. Like yeah. Stand up. And they know that straight away. It stands, though, to the long form. Like, we should be talking about the Summerton Man right now, but, like, we're talking about your podcast instead. Well, thank but, like, you for that. I'm yeah. saying fucking podcasts. That's what podcasts are. We've we do never get a discussed lot of... anything like the Summerton Man on the show, but I'm utterly obsessed with <laughs> conspiracy theories and mystery. Yeah. And, you know, we've got a we've got a true crime podcast now available to our Patreon subscribers called Irishman Behind Bars. And it is about how fucked up the system is and how it, yeah. people get put away things they didn't do yeah we we, we talked about um Khalif Browder on our KKK episode and our Martin Luther King episode and uh, you know about Khalif mm. like he was arrested and at, at 18 and he was in prison for a couple of years and they gave him what was called the Alfred plea which is like say you're guilty and we let yeah. you out and he's like I'm not guilty and then through police harassment and all this other shit he ended up fucking killing himself Kill at himself, 22 yeah. like it happens a lot but we don't get to see that in Ireland and I think Ireland is one of those places where you there is just as much here. stuff going on here mm. on a much smaller scale because of the, the small amount of people. But because we don't have, I guess, maybe the facilities, the technology, we don't have the capabilities, the legalities, and we don't have those just people who ego. are... Yeah, we don't have those people who are going and saying, I can do this, and going into like the prisons and making these mm. stories, or going out and doing documentaries like louis Theroux with, with some fucking meth heads from from mm. moat living in a fucking uh, a, a shipping container or some shit i don't like, think it's that we don't have those people i think we do this country is yeah is there's it's so tight and so small yeah that your life wouldn't be worth living if you did that everyone like we've, would know we've literally seen police yeah uh, insinuate or try and implicate a man who blew the whistle on yeah. their poor behavior as a pedophile yeah like that that's not in the past that's within the last two years. Yeah. And, you know, some of the people I talked to on The Irishman Behind Bars said Irish cops are an organized criminal gang and they will ki- they will take you out. Irishman Behind Bars is you have six episodes, as far as I understand six now. And it's, it, there's the a way, different yeah. case in each different episode. Different case each episode. And 
some of them go right back like the Somerton man go right back to you know the 40s yeah uh, and it's frightening that time because forensics was so not non-existent that like yeah we could have established who the Somerton man was well we talk about DNA. it in a little while about how three hairs pulled from a plaster cast that's 70 years old could Solve in the it. next six months solve yeah okay well let's get guy. to it i'm sorry well, for banging on no I, I i really like your stuff and you also have another show called men, men behaving, behaving better, better yeah. which is definitely bang on trend guys um, i'm so uh, scared of that because i really feel that like some people are going oh look at this fella planting his virtue flag. signaling regan yeah, huh? yeah. fucking i know and then there's other people going look at yeah. them be careful of the performative ally yeah. who's like I'm very into women's rights. And what has he done now? Why is he doing this? But really, loads of lads are getting into feminism to get blowjobs. Like they're like, I'm a feminist too. Like, of course, that's how you have to empower a woman before she'll do oh anything Lord. like that. The, but basically, it's the post Weinstein conversation. Yeah. So we'd have a panel of four comedians and uh, people with knowledge in the law in the area talking about different topics, such as can we enjoy the art of these fallen icons yeah uh, and it'll be live every month in london in the other palace theater if people want to go to my website jigsaw.com they can come and see it we've talked about those recorded. those things at length on this show as well mm. very same topics although we don't have many females on the show we still i'm trying to represent and over the last like Why six do you think eight that months is? Because um, no one wants to be locked in a room with a strange man for eight hours. hours. Yeah. Eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, I have that I, for one hour. I have difficulty getting women to. I, there's yeah. also the element that uh, women are more humble and that there's there is a forced humility upon them that they can't talk about themselves or she must fucking love herself. Yeah. There's that societal yeah. norm already. I don't think it's that. I, I, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of hard work goes into this stuff and there's not a lot of people i'm trying to intersect like comedian and a person who is has a hunger for podcasting so those two things are trying to intersect and it's not it's more difficult to find anybody to do it never mind man or woman mm. do you know what i mean so it just so happens that there's less females in comedy and there's less people that i am personally friends with who mm. are females in comedy now that i can say hey come on on well, but I can um, put you in touch with a few people. So. Well, I mean, as as we go along and, and grow and get bigger, yeah, uh, uh, it's going to expand. We have season seven all booked up now with a load of people uh, over the next three months, and you can watch those live on patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys. But um, for your shows, I think a lot of the topics and a lot of the subject matter definitely intersect. So the people who are interested in this show should go and check out mm. an Irishman abroad. Men behave better, and if you want to get. Uh, Irishman Behind Bars, you have to log into patreon.com slash Irishman Abroad. Irishman Abroad. Yeah, so that's... Uh, behind a paywall for now. behind a paywall for now, but like really, it's the thing I'm most proud of. Got to pay the bills, man. <laughs> it is. Uh, that uh, Irishman Behind Bars, like even though we've done nearly 300 episodes of Irishman Abroad, Behind Bars is the one that's like blew my mind. Like some yeah. of those things that come out in it. But I don't think anyone's doing that stuff. And in that long form, kind of format you talk about stuff like s-town and mm. these kind of uh, uh, documentaries that blow up Were all over the world yeah i liked it it was grand but it like was, the, i feel like there was somebody taking advantage the response to s-town do you think because i found s-town voyeuristic yeah it was it was ta- he took advantage of john yeah. b but also john b kind of took advantage of brian as well and there's like a well he isn't broadcasting it you know what no I, mean? I know but he took he called him down under false pretenses and 
was kind of like does that make it okay no i don't think so but I, I that's like really saying you know if an 18 year old goes out to hollywood to try and make it big and she ends up fucking sucking dick on camera and, and getting into some kind of weird like nine-way gangbang because she feels oh i'm going to be a movie star out of this or she's told that and then she changes her mind and goes back to you know the waffle house in kansas and those videos are on Pornhub for like forever and ever and ever whose fault is that she allowed it to happen she you know initiated that relationship i would say the person with more power uh i don't i it's you're talking about like a person who's coming over offered a job and they made that decision so but, like but you're you're, that you're disempowering her we that are decision. talking about the power dynamic there which is yeah you know heavily weighed against her also though she did go l- uh, and it's like oh she was looking for it but she went there to do that thing and everything was explained to her let's, i don't think let's reverse it and say a fella joins the army yeah and, as they do and, all the time eventually ends up committing atrocities he still committed the atrocities yeah but like if you replace the hollywood as the uh, power holder in the situation with the army yeah you're essentially saying well that's the soldier's fault he agreed to burn those people alive. And they often do get blamed for that and then tried in court martial. But I would say that, you know, the facility, when you pull back the lens, yeah, the facility like, is there to, for it to be done. He's a tiny ant yeah. against a huge establishment. And I would say that, yeah, yeah, she agreed to do all that. But, you know, the power, the power of uh, and pressure of, of that and the culture in which she exists would, would you know, you... you you can't say that the culpability in that. No, I know, but they're they're both equally culpable. I don't think S Town took advantage of John B. I think there was a mutual. Well, essentially, what I when I say that broadcast where the, the response to it is that I watch an awful lot of true crime. Yeah. And often walk away feeling really shitty about myself, and S Town was one of those where I'm like, and then he killed himself. Yeah. Go go. Oh my god. I, I, Next I, time I was listening to that in the bed time. and I couldn't go to sleep for the whole night. I was like, oh shit. I was like, spoiler alert. But that's the, that's the twist. Yeah. Your, your subject killed himself. Mm. That's your twist. You're referring to it as a twist. A man taking his own life. I was that's, like, that's a bit, fuck this. Yeah, that's a bit taken I advantage. pressed stop and was like, no. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that is, again, inching ever closer to TV show where one of these people is gonna die <laughs> it is inching closer right we're A hunting the most dangerous prey for one of our best <laughs> to lose his life and i'm just telling you that like i just really was like this time in the big brother house to, if we're gonna do a true crime podcast i was like we needed to have light we need there to be a sense of systems fucked yeah here's six examples of people that stood up and said no i love it no not having it and even if in two cases the people were killed mm. put to death and before they were hung they said i didn't fucking do it and someday you cunts are going to be sorry you killed me and like you're talking about like that happened in like 1840 and michael d higgins our president like just a few months ago went we are sorry like that that to me is like that makes you get up in the morning and go fuck yeah fuck yeah like yeah. you can have your conspiracies conspiracy and the idea that the system did go out to do something terrible and that things are corruptible and that can sometimes leave you walking around heavy-hearted but our idea was to create something that made people go you know what we we we, you can have the worst you can have the absolute worst of injustice happen to you brutal 
mm. injustice, like the Guildford Four. Yeah. 15 years in prison for a crime you didn't commit and have you watch your dad get brought in just because he knows you and have him die in prison. And you walk out the gates and the only thing that didn't break was you. Yeah. Like that to me is like, I'm a real fucking romantic idiot. Oscar worthy. But yeah. as I'm just like, fuck yeah, man. I'm like slow motion, classical music. <laughs> <laughs> she blown up behind you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it does <laughs> happen. <laughs> it can it can happen, and I yeah. guess that kind of runs counter to what this show is about, and it runs counter to the cynicism that's in our culture. I like to I like to try and bridge the gap and go from like we found looking at conspiracy theories that like systematic culpability and individual responsibility are not mutually exclusive, mm. and using like Hanlon's razor, which is don't attribute to malice what can be explained with stupidity. A lot of the times people are going like, it's the lizard people. And like the Illuminati cabal is taking over the world. That's not necessarily true. Most of the time, most of the time, it's just a load of greedy cons just looking out for themselves and yeah, making decisions. But that's what I mean is like runs counter to the idea that goodness yeah. can prevail in the world. And I, I, I think it, I think it can. Mm, I think so too. But like if we're not fucking censored fucking on rare. YouTube, Jarlik, like that's why if the, if the if the message gets they're out your, there, they're your buddies. So we're talking about we're talking about the Somerton man. Uh, uh, if you want to go and listen to what Jarlik has to say, an Irishman abroad, uh, uh, men behind better are all available on uh, the same RSS feed for the moment. Mm. Um, Irishman abroad, you should check that out on any of the podcast apps. And if you want to get uh, Irishman behind bars. Patreon.com slash Irishman Abroad to get a, a listen to that before it goes live and real. Um, so the Somerton man, did you know anything about it before we before we? Yeah, uh, I've been to, to Adelaide. The show? I went to the Adelaide Fringe in 2009. And there's loads of lads just like lying around on the beach and you wouldn't yeah, it's just have constant. a second thought. But like it's a, it's a peculiar part of the world. It's quite, I wouldn't say Texas. But other Australian people might. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, the, it's the... The highlight of the year is the uh, fucking rally race. And, right. the, and the Fringe, obviously. The Fringe is great and there's great people down there. But I went to the beach. I was at the beach where this... I actually was there. But I, I, even then I didn't know about this guy. It was yeah. only when, you know, you presented it to me that it's I was super like, shit, like I, I, yeah. I know this part of the world. It's a super famous case, like... In that area, and it's still going on, and the University of Adelaide has a load of people still working on it today, uh, and we talk about those guys uh, in a little while, but like, it's one of these things that I think transcends uh, human honor. Do you know the way when they're like, he died without a name, who fucking dies without a name? You know, like these kids that die in war, and that, you know, they take the dog tags and all this kind of shit, they bl- get blown in bits. And they're trying to bring home a small, like, like an ice cream scoop of him to put in a small box to give to his man, a folded flag. Like, these kind of honorable things that humans do to make each other feel better, you know, like uh, scattering ashes or like, like, I don't give a fuck about being dead and buried. I don't want to be in a, I don't want people standing around some, like, decorative stones Why thinking not? about me in a field. Because, like, that's just, I'm worm food. Like, I'm not, I'm swelling and and bursting and leaking in a wooden box under the ground and then eventually i'll just be bones and dust and worm shite like but you don't have any respect for your body once you're dead i i don't think so you know like i think it but i also don't want anyone fucking an instinct with it. yes i don't want to give thing. i don't want to give away my organs yeah it is like the, the case is about death and how we see ourselves after death and the kind of sanctity of the human being yeah and our legacy but like it also hints towards uh, espionage and how you offer all of that up 
when you decide to be uh, an implement of the government? Well, part of any system, if you're, if you're, you know, part of even like the, the Boy Scouts or if you're part of like some union, all those guys will come out because you're part of this. It's a, tri- it's a human tribal kind of thing mm. where this guy was part of our organization. He's one of us. And they'll, you know, line the roads as your coffin is brought to the, yeah, to the graveyard. But like with this Somerton man, they found him, no, no identity on him, and they wanted to make sure that he had his honor, uh, to find out his identity so they could lay him to rest. That's it. Yeah. And so. I think in ancient cultures, you know, they didn't used to bury people, and there was a certain point about eight thousand years ago where they found that people were building cairns and they were building these, um. um kind of grave sites for for burying people ceremonially uh after the young or driest period which is a, a, a kind of a, a diluvial period after a an ice melt that caused like the great flood the, the noah biblical flood that we talked about thirteen thousand years ago since then humanity has evolved to what we know today but for the first three or two or three thousand years people were like oh billy billy's dead all right fuck billy and then he ends up being like dog meat or like wolf food they'd or like literally do that just leave him you know and it started they didn't th- put like a pile of rocks on him no they're just they, like ah, oh, he's dead all right because there were still a transient people there were still there was no settled that? farmers because there's no graves like, for anything before graves, that like egyptian tombs yeah but that's only four thousand years ago yeah so the, you're saying beyond that yeah like ten thousand years ago humans didn't bother with graves and then they just fucked him in the river just, well yeah pushed him off wherever the fuck because they weren't they were never home there they were just like oh billy's after dying and oh, we can't stay here then up we go so when they started people started settling down there was this honor system where they had to be like okay we'll cover them in rocks or we'll dig a hole and bury them or what the the lads in india and, and asia used to do was they put them up on a very high perch mm. up on a mountain and let like eagles and and uh, other yeah. predators like pick at their bones and stuff like that yeah. so there was a kind Just of a sound for the eagles yeah Keeps the eagles away as well i mean the they, they eagle, eagles gotta eat right yeah. yeah so they, they put the bodies away from so the you don't want to be cremated or anything you yeah cremate me i don't give a fuck cut me up in bits your listeners will be like no yeah we want to celebrate i'm immortal I'm online just listen to the thing and give claire money when, that is when I that die. is weird like that i'm out there forever it's gonna be here forever. forever as long as the hosting is being paid for <laughs> <laughs> that's it like i'm sure it's on youtube Look, so it's out there alone it now anyway so they they have um they have this kind of thing of like i want to be able to preserve life i want to be able to to honor life and with the somerton man these guys are still working to try and find that honor in finding that man's name so he can rest in peace now is it a thing of like they don't want to be haunted by his ghost which was a belief right up until the late mm-hmm. 1800s like absolutely you have to you know it's it's in our dogmatic uh, uh, catholic I mean, religion that you have to there, yeah. you have to pray and you have to say a certain amount of prayers and even pay money to the church to get a soul out of the waiting room of heaven which is purgatory which they fucking invented as like a a, a patreon system for to get into heaven you have to mm-hmm. pay a subscription and it just ends up being like bastardized and taken advantage of by an organization that is looking for remuneration basically Mm. for someone's fears about mortality yeah we watched the show the other night me and tina uh you know irish like cathedrals and it was a man walking around the beauty of the monastic and i would love to re-voice over some of these like it would surely make for a really funny your YouTube channel. That Let's would do be it. so funny to yeah. watch. You're like, 
These cathedrals were built from the money of people hoping to get into heaven. They starved themselves in the hope that they could get into heaven while the priests in these cathedrals had sex with their children. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going, what kind of a fucking world? But to, to, to put, like, think of the, the amount of effort it was gone to put the belief into that person that this life that they're actually living was not as important as the next life because this life is only temporary but the next life is infinite. So you have to give up everything in this life to make sure your infinity Fuck life that nobody life. knew was real or not, you know? But I remember watching Dermot McMurrow do this amazing... People know Dermot McMurrow. I'm sure all your American listeners know Dermot McMurrow is one of the greatest Irish comedians ever to have lived. Brilliant stand-up. And he did this slideshow of... <laughs> uh, kind of religious uh, artworks and he would voice over <laughs> like in this scene the fella here really wants a cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember one of my friends who, who was at the show where I put Dermot on came up to me afterwards and he had gone to a, a well-known Catholic boys boarding school said to me he felt it was sacrilegious blasphemous what he had done up there yeah. And I was like, this guy's a very smart dude. But he's bet with the yoke of religion. still in there. Yeah. That germ of the idea that you can be blasphemous. The inception. Because it's in the fucking law of the land, man. Yeah. Do you know? Well, Stephen Fry saying God is a cruel thing. God because kids are, are die of cancer yeah, to gay burn. Complaints. And he gets, a, he gets a 25 grand fine leveled at him. Yeah. Like he didn't pay it and it wouldn't go through, but fuck me. So to get into the, the case then itself, okay, that's all the stuff out of the way. To get into the case itself, the Somerton man, also known as the Taman Should case, and we'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, this mysterious bloke was found dead but thought to be sleeping on a beach in Somerton in Glenelg, just south of Adelaide in Australia, on the 1st of December 1948. And now people walked by him, thought he was sleeping. Uh, he had his legs out, they were crossed at the feet, and he had his head kind of like forward with his head up against the seawall and he, he was found at half six in the morning across the road from the crippled children's home you wouldn't get away with calling the place that now these days uh, the crippled children's home on the corner of the esplanade and bickford terrace and the address would be very important in a little while when i tell you who lived next door but he had an unlit cigarette under the collar of his coat which is the fashion at the time and he had uh, an unused train ticket from the day before an aluminum comb, a packet of juicy fruit, and a packet of cigarettes. And this is weird. A packet of cigarettes which with a different brand of more expensive cigarettes inside the box. I would have thought the juicy fruits were more... <laughs> I don't know. How long is juicy fruits juicy out? Juicy fruits. What kind of psychopath juicy eats fruits juicy fruits? used fruit? to have an ad in the 80s, like when we were kids. What's up, young blood? And you like, this fellow roller skating around. But in 1848, 1948. 1948, yeah. Juicy fruits. Like, he wanted fresh breath. Not fruity breath. I mean, he wanted to, like... Maybe. I don't the know. Juicy fruits. But to me, I was like, the juicy fruits are a weird little twist there. I used to love juicy fruits, and I used to love eating airwaves when I was on pills. Because you'd just be like... I can breathe forever. This is amazing. <laughs> just the... the the, uh, the freshness yeah, of the yeah, oxygen, yeah. you know, smoking minty cigarettes and everything. But the, ex the shitty box of Winfield, That's, Isn't that weird, isn't it? With some marlboros in there top of the class cigarettes inside a shit inside. box so maybe when he's taken out the shitty box no one's like oh who's your man with the fancy fags 
Yeah. Or it, it already has an air of suspicion around or it. Or he what, was out for pints with someone. Yeah. And he switched the fags when he was with them. <laughs> or he's like, I'm after running out of fags. Going to have six or seven of your ones. And your man's like, go very, on. It's very strange, right? Yeah. It's just a weird but detail. Like, it immediately, when I first heard that, it immediately made me go, hmm. this whole presentation of this gentleman is unnatural. Yeah, absolutely. And he's found... Uh, he, he he wasn't wearing a hat, which is very, very strange for the time. Labels cut off. Labels cut off the all the clothes. Like, he Why? he was like the Joker. Like, uh, uh, yeah, you that's know, what like I Heath immediately Ledger. thought of Heath Ledger. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no labels on his clothes. No labels on the clothes. And th- th- the reason the case is called the Taman Shud case is that there was a small scrap of paper found sewn into the lining of the fob pocket in the man's trousers. Wait. Sewn in, yeah. The it was paper inside. Was sewn in. It was inside the uh, fob pocket, as I understand it. The Johnny pocket, watch pocket yeah. On your jeans. Johnny pocket, I call it. Yeah, but that's because you're obsessed with sex. Maybe, <laughs> but also it's the exact right. Right there. Yeah. Little folded up little note. Yeah. That read, Tamal should. Taman should. Taman should. With an N at the end. Now it's supposed to be Tamam, and we'll talk about that in a while as well. Where that comes from? From an 11th century. A poetry book but this case has remained unsolved and people are still trying to solve the case today uh there's been some minor revelations because the body was like you know uh i guess they were examining it for so long they examined it for a year and a half and then they had to embalm it and then you know put it put it in the ground in a in a coffin and then cover the coffin with cement like it's it, it had to go so now, if they were to exhume, it'd be very difficult to get usable DNA from an embalmed uh, body. But uh, as the case was was being investigated, the body started to decompose, so they had to do something to it. And it's now not really possible, even though uh, a guy called Derek Abbott, who works for the University of Adelaide, is, is pushing for these uh, DNA uh, examinations and to exhume this body to finally find out who the fuck this guy is. And like witnesses came forward since... Of the stories of the night, like in the late forties and, and mid fifties. First of all, I mean, how good is your memory, Charlotte? Like you're talking about every time you remember something, you remember in your memory of it. Yeah. So memory and time, and also are the to most be famous as well as, as like well. People, people were yeah. coming forward like, oh, I saw a fella being carried down the beach. You and know, that was 10 years later. 10 that was in years like, on? Yeah. And this thing's the, on the cover of every newspaper. I mean, a, a, an eyewitness testimony is probably the most fallacious thing that you could have in a criminal case. Hmm. So as time goes on, an eyewitness testimony is more and more disregarded hmm. by a jury or by, you know, an investigative team. Because, like, your memories are, are they, they get old like bread. Yeah, and like also wine, you've you got know? such a, a cognitive uh, bias. Exactly. We, we, you're trying to confirm everything that you first thought. Yeah, and then as time goes on, and if it was any type of a famous case, there's coverage and there's other revelations that come out and that will colour your memories as you recall them later on then as well. So this guy was fucking super famous. Like, one of the the most mental account comes from this witness in 1959, like you said, 10 years after the man died, said that they were on the beach in the wee hours and saw one man carrying another man over his shoulder. Now, there's no concrete descriptions of any of the men, uh, but the Somerton man according to other witnesses was already lying there at 7 30 the night before he died so what the fuck does that mean witnesses came forward that said that uh two two sets of couples a couple walking claimed that the man was covered in mosquitoes at about half seven 
the night before and they thought he must be fucking bananas drunk to not feel those mosquitoes. Mm. Um, so was he dead already? Was he sleeping? Was he in the process of dying and they just didn't interject or intervene? Um, there's no way that this guy 10 years later said that in, at 2 o'clock in the morning he saw one man carrying another man when the cunt is already yeah, lined so up against the seawall. Bullshit. Right? Another couple... Uh, at half six which is an hour before the mosquito couple saw the man move to try and light a cigarette but he looked like he was bananas drunk and, and his he arm lifted up and his arm flopped down to the side again more bollocks i mean there's what? there's there's scientific information like um 2 a, 2 a.m is when they assume he died am i, I jumping he, way ahead yeah i guess he he, he must have died in the middle of the night yeah i mean but he was dying from half seven the night before he wasn't moving anyway right and like forensics would say that in the way he died there was pooling of blood at the back of his neck and head that were not conducive to the way he was found so he didn't die and that's the missing piece i mean how did he get there he was killed elsewhere and was brought to that place if he was poisoned or if he was attacked or whatever there was no signs of a struggle Mm. He was wearing shiny shoes, which meant he wasn't walking on the beach at night. He's 5'11", grey eyes, grey hair, between 40 and 50, and he had missing teeth, including no incisors. His hands were clean, without calluses, and he like I said... He was in amazing physical he was condition. an athlete. Other than the missing teeth, yeah. which would have been normal enough around the time, because dentistry is pretty dentistry. shit. And Australia. Yeah, yeah, and everyone, you know, people didn't even fucking brush their teeth that much. <laughs> yeah. Would um, they have a toothbrush? Like, yeah, uh, get some charcoal and rub your I finger. Was was a a big thing. To yeah, do, he right? was in good nick, and the death from the pathologist uh, point of view said it was heart failure, possibly by poisoning, and he had uh, a swollen internal organs. Like, so his liver had lots of uh, blood collecting in it. So maybe it was processing something at the time, which would indicate some kind of poisoning. And his spleen was three times bigger then it should have been and i'm going to talk about that later on because that's something weird and they said that his calf muscles also had this like these great this great definition mm. so he was presumably or, or reportedly uh in a high-heeled shoe that had a pointy toe often which would indicate that he may nice. have been a ballerina like, or, or a, ballet, a ballet dancer of some a, sort what a conclusion to jump to because I mean, somebody has big calves maybe he played basketball like loads or maybe, maybe he just had he a thing. Like, hey, my, look, look at my calves, bro. Well, like, here's Do you a, think I need implants, here's, bro? <laughs> here's a little side note about myself. Used to play basketball a massive amount. Fantastic one of, calves. One of the things that I built up were my calves. Yeah. Because you have fast twitch muscle down there. Essentially, yeah. lower calf, just below where that bulge is, is where the fast twitch muscle fiber exists. That's what gets you when you start sprinting. Yeah. So you're fast twitch muscle fiber will bounce you off the floor as a ball comes off the hoop and you just need to pop back up yeah whereas you can do slow contractions in your muscle that will lift For heavy you stuff. up but if you want that bounce essentially yeah. fast twitch twist muscle fiber is what sprinters work on they're not interested in long distance running they want to quick and maybe that's what this guy power. had he had like a james bond type body or he had military training military training definitely he needs to move fast yeah Quick. like a martial art or like yeah. something like that this ballerina is, this is what these people are saying that his feet and calves indicated that he wore a high heel type of shoe with a pointed toe which meant he could possibly be a ballet dancer or that he was to me or i would say when i immediately read that i was like or that he had worked on his sprinting ability and his ability to move quick 
like a spy would need perhaps perchance perhaps, like a yeah. James Bond thing well he was buried on the 14th of June 1949 more than six months after being found on the beach and there were very few people at his funeral his coffin was buried and covered in concrete and two other people have since been placed on top of him because of the leases on uh, grave sites that you know over here we're lucky we buy a grave site and it's yours but over in, in other countries, uh, especially in they France. Stacked two on top. Stack, stack some people extra. Uh, we found out in our Jim Morrison episode in Pierre, Pierre Lachaise where he's buried, like you can buy a lifetime lease or you can buy like a 50 year or 100 year lease. And when it runs out, they get into the grave, they scoop up the dirt or whatever no. bone fragments are left and they put you in a little small box sheen and then they put that into another room and then you live there then forever because there's nobody alive left to pay your lease Jesus. so that you don't need to have a grave so you then. don't even own the ground. That's why I don't give a fuck yeah. about <laughs> graveyards okay and someone up until 1978 came regularly and left flowers on the grave we don't know who don't know who has never been found and since 1978 they've stopped wow Spooky. well could just be some old one who thought that was yeah. really sad the poor man i mean i do feel terrible for this man and when yeah. we first start talking about doing an episode i was quite clear I do not want to do some murder rapey, yeah, 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 gross. Well, thing. I tend not to lean lean towards the murder porn because, I like, know. you can go to a case file or, or something like that for those, and it's like he choked her to death until she died from it. These kind yeah, of things, and they're really getting off on it. Yeah, but I don't do murder porn. This is essentially a tragedy. Yeah, big and time. A, like a mystery. Whatever happened to this guy? He was the victim. Yeah. Of something. Yeah. Right. This is not a natural causes case. As we go forward. He might be the victim of love. <laughs> so we talked about um, the, the piece of paper that was found in his pocket, Charlotte, right? Yeah. It had Tamam Shud on it. That's, that's a weird thing. Like a weird little scrap to find in someone's pocket, right? Are we positive it said that? Um, the, the scrap was, was lost when the book that it matched was found and that was lost too. Okay. So both of those things originally were Tamam lost. Tamam should. Taman should. Now had anyone reading that would automatically go, oh, there's just some bollocks written on a paper. Yeah, but it was paper. printed. It was printed on it. Printed? Yeah, yeah, printed on it. So it had, it was part of like the back page of a book. Okay. Right? So it's a corner ripped out these yeah, two words. Yeah, it was the middle of, the middle section of a page. So it was purposefully, purposefully ripped out, right? It came from a book called the Rubaiyat by this 11th century poet, Omar Khayyam. And this was in the man's lining of his fob pocket. So inside of this Johnny pocket on his, on his pants. And uh, around the time of the, the Somerton man's death, a man who went by the pseudonym Robert Francis found a book discarded in the backseat of his car. And a section of the last page of the book was torn out that exactly matched the piece of paper that was in the oh. Somerton man's pocket. So this dude finds the book from which the slip of paper came. Are exactly. we sure that was part of the book? Uh, yes, because it matched, it matched the little ripped out bit. And where was the car and the guy? The car was uh, only a, a, like less than a mile away from where the body was found. And the guy who didn't want to be identified, because obviously if you have a dead man up the beach with a piece of paper in his pocket that exactly matches the hole in a page of a book that you had in the back of your car, mm. it's going to implement you in some shit. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be like, yeah, I don't want my entire legacy of my life to be but if I was suspicion. the cops I'd be like I do want to know who yeah of course so they did an investigation and this guy Robert Francis the pseudonym um, but basically like he was acquitted there was no suspicion in him at all it was just like because people used to leave their cars open in Charlotte it was a different time back then right yeah there was no whoop, whoop. yeah 
there was no there was no lock on your doors everyone like nothing like rape didn't exist in 1948 it hadn't been invented yet so everyone was just totally happy to to oh, leave it their, was happening yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was basically old sex. old fa- old-fashioned yeah through a hole in the sheet but uh taman should itself is a, a sanskrit or turkish um a word a, a phrase that means the end or finished right and it was part of this omar khayyam's uh, uh epic poem so it's like uh dante's inferno or some kind of you know those uh, uh what's the one uh, uh paradise lost or something like that it was one of these epic poem books that's been re so re-released weird. and all this stuff since and the 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 whole rubaiyat is is uh, famously translated to english by this guy edward fitzgerald and the poem is about the transience of life and the reward of having lived a good life with no regrets, right? And Fitzgerald himself was known to have been moderately debaucherous, um, r- rumoured to be a, a, a homosexual, of the homosexual persuasion. That invented at the time? It, it, uh, apparently so, if it, you know, if it fits. And, uh, but it was all under radar because you're not supposed to be doing that shit. Like, it was still, mm-hmm. you know, um, sodomy was illegal there was sodomy police that would go around at night time with like a, a kerosene lamp and like burst into bedrooms to make sure that None it was in the that. right hole yeah, yeah it was it was a, a different time and uh, fitzgerald was thought to have translated this book kind of like not faithfully from the original but it was kind of the same gist and it was he uh, fitzgerald himself said it was a transmogrification of the text and he made it a lot more romantic than the original text, but the, the 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 essence of it still said the same, like live your life with no regrets. And Fitzgerald was kind of living living life by the but like the hair of his I, nuts. People listening to this now don't know the story. Yeah, I'm trying to be that person, right? Listening yeah. to this. So what? Well, there's a shit. There's a slip of paper with these two words in yeah. his pocket. Big deal, right? I would automatically be like. Who gives a May, fuck? Like he could have been using it as like, rolling papers, rolling papers. Or a roach for a joint or Just something. anything. Yeah. Or maybe it's you know a reminder to live your life. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Well, the book that was found, right? They found this piece of paper, and because the man had no labels on his clothes, because he had no identification, people didn't know who he was, and they asked everyone all around the area who was he. No witnesses, no nothing. No one had ever seen ever seen him before. before. He was a fucking mystery dude, right? Dude, but like, doesn't that straight away you go? bollocks as well someone someone knew this guy. knows something so, like see he's got to get there somebody knows he's something. got the ticket for the bus he's got the ticket for the train yeah none of them are proven that they've been used but so the lads in the train station didn't see him because he was in there the day before Do but you know then what I mean? wouldn't you say you didn't know the dead guy sure to avoid sure. having to talk to the cops about that was it? the way it was done Do you know so this slip of paper became the nomenclature for this case this was the taman should case right and because it was so weird, because it was so mysterious, they tried to find this. Was the only, this was the only lead. You know, you see in those things like when she walked in the door, I knew she was trouble. She like they had this piece of paper, and this guy was like, "Yeah, we've got to, we've got to find her." Whatever. The, I can't do those both accents at the same time. <laughs> back she to went. Back. Yeah, I found a dead guy on the beach. See, no, it doesn't work. And uh, they were like, "Okay, somebody identified this time. I'm sure as the final thing, like the end or fine." Mm. At the Wasn't end of this book, yes, the M. It was Taman. And should. that's where you mean about the not perfect translation. Well, it was it was printed in the paper as Taman should, but on the piece of paper that was in his pocket, it's Tamam T A M A M S H U D. So it was correct in his pocket, but the paper misreported it, and it forever became known as the Taman should case. So this Taman should was recognised by scholars or people who knew, mm. and they went, "Hey, man." 
that's out of that book, The Rubaiyat by Omar Khayyam. Mm. And people are like, okay, so we need to, f- that's a pretty rare book. Let's go and find copies of that. So they... Check the back seat of everyone's car. <laughs> they, they, put a, they put a thing out in the paper going, anyone that has a Rubaiyat, let us know. And this guy goes, well, actually, I found a copy in the footwell of the back seat of my car. Do you want to check it? Swears. Fucking Do you want to check it? This right? guy did it. So when they handed in the book, he opened up the back page and there was a little hole and it matched yeah. exactly the piece of paper. Cuff on boys. Take <laughs> <laughs> them away, toys. And when they opened up the fucking back page on the inside cover was a bunch of letters and a bunch of numbers and a name that said Justin, J-E-S-T-Y-N. Presumably a name written in cursive. And a load of letters that were written out, some were scribbled out, and then sets of numbers. And a local phone number. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. Right. A local well, like, phone let's number. just deal with this. Are we all write bollocks in the I back mean, of our books? Yeah. Scribbly, scribbly, scribbly. Yeah. There's no uh, Candy Crush. That's what people did. <laughs> you got a doodle. Yeah, doodly doodle. Well, I tell you, a great doodle codex, like a cipher story. My granny used to read all the Mills and Boons books from the local library. Do you know mm-hmm. those ones? Yeah. Where the stable boy's throbbing member lolled against the side of her thigh. Like this kind of stuff. Yeah, the original yeah. Fifty Shades. Yeah, proper yeah. shit, right? Yeah. And it was always like the Sheikh's daughter or like the, you know, the, the farmer's the farmer's lies, like weird titles. But because they were all so generic and because the covers were pretty much like an open-shirted meatloaf type dude who had like rippling muscles and... He was holding like some waif like f- floppy young one with flowing hair and a heaving bosom. You couldn't really tell the difference between books. So all the old women on the inside cover would put their own initials so that when they were looking through them in the library, have I read this one? Have I read this one? Have I read this one? Oh yeah, there's my initials. So they'd all put their initials and they had like, they'd circle it if they liked it or they'd do it, this kind mm. of thing. So they'd look at the author and it was like a... A rating, an iTunes rating system. Yeah, it's got loads of initials for, in it. This is a good one. For, for dirty Amazing. books at the library. Can you imagine Amazing. that? Amazing. That's mad, isn't it? That is mad. So that's what, if you ever see a, an old Mills and Boons book from the library, loads, loads of, of initials. Yeah. It's a goodie. Don't smell the pages. Plenty of filthy shit in here. Uh, so you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to lick your fingers to turn oh, the page. I'm sorry. Duck. This he did it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so this book and the back page back had page some crazy code cipher. Is now, that mental? You say code, right? I mean, it's like, letters. I mean, that that straight away I was like, ah, oh, fucking code, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, really? They gave it to the best code breakers in the world and the lads Can't couldn't get at it. It's almost <laughs> like it's bollocks. <laughs> Perhaps? No, it yeah. couldn't be bollocks. No, we've got a mystery to solve and papers to sell. Tell me what you can do with this. Well, I read extensively uh, over the last couple of days about... World War Two coded ciphers, and I, I'll talk about it. There's a there's a term that they use for these books uh, called a one time pad, right? And these one time pads are basically rare printing versions of this book. You'd only get maybe ten copies, and the spies would carry those ten copies around. And because they weren't widely available, uh, they couldn't be readily cracked. And there were systems of communication in Nazi Germany using those one time pads. That were never cracked by the Allies. What is it exactly? A book with it's a shit book. written in the back? It's a book. And then you would put, a, like, send a coded piece of paper across, you know, a, a table or in a napkin. And someone would read it and it'll have some letters and it'll have some numbers. So it's like on whatever page, on whatever line, on whatever word. And then, uh, you know, the word that begins with M. 
So you'd have like M, F, L, T, B, T, and it wouldn't stand for anything until you matched up the numbers that were underneath it. Hmm. And then you go like, uh, you know, m- maybe look towards buying. It's so much easier to just like go. Oh, yeah. But that's nasty Germany. These yeah. lads were inventive, you know. They did it, the Russians did it as well with Russian books, which is even more difficult because it's Cyrillic alphabet. So the Allies uh, or the, the Nazis weren't able to crack those codes. But why th- is this book? Why this book? Because it's the Rubaiyat. It's 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 a book that everybody knows. I'll go into more detail about that now in a minute. But like because it's an ancient book, it's not a brand new printing. People know that this book is out there, and okay. they were able so to use those numbers. So you're a super cool, brilliant spy, and you've got one of these, yeah, and a dead body. Yeah, you fuck it into a local car. You're such a brilliant spy. Maybe it's the, the guy. only piece of evidence linking <laughs> you to this murder. Maybe it's the dead guy's copy of the book, and he just at the end of his life, he just pulled out the page and fucked in the back of the car. He's just like fuck it. Seems it unbelievable. Just bring the book. Yeah, it's it's a mystery. That's why it's a mystery. So <laughs> w- one extra string to the bow of this mystery is six weeks after the man was found on the beach, they found his luggage retrieved from an Adelaide railway station. Mystery solved. Yeah. Couldn't find his bags. Got really pissed off. Killed himself. Exactly. We've all been there. He was waiting at that carousel going yeah. for fuck's sake. <laughs> and then you know the way sometimes you'll see you a handle yeah. go around. He found one slip of paper on the carousel. Just one strap off he the bag. and translated and it yeah. said, that's the end. Went off, killed himself. Yeah. End of. Taman should have got a different airline. Thanks for listening to Conspiracy Guys. Yeah, that's Glad it. we could get to the bottom of this that one. That's the joke. We found his luggage. Found his luggage. Found a, a, a suitcase, a brown leather suitcase with no tags. <laughs> How did they know it was his? The day before. The day before. Well, they presumed it was his because it was the only one that wasn't claimed. Come on. I mean, no tags, no nothing. Did like. all this clothes fit him? It had been... <laughs> <I> tried him <laughs> on. It had been there. burning yeah. all his clothes on. Lift his leg, lift his leg. <laughs> they, it was there from 11 o'clock the day before, which is the exact same time that the ticket was purchased. Okay. But the train that he was taking, which was just to the a couple of towns up at the coast, the train that he was taking was eight hours after the time that he bought the ticket. So the luggage was checked minutes after the ticket was bought. So the ticket and the luggage were matched, and I presume that's how they discovered that he was there because it was the only bag not claimed and it's a pretty yeah. small uh, train station but uh, the train ticket was never used and was found on him so obviously he in that eight hours something happened and he ended up lying down on the beach and and he became brown bread right but there were some expected items inside the luggage and some random ones that shouldn't make any sense like a spool of thread that was the exact same color and make as the stitching that was used to fix the pocket that had the taman should Thing stitched in shut like the uh, pocket was stitched shut it, it, the thing was stitched uh, there was an extra bit stitched into the pocket with this orange uh, barnum thread it's called what weird and that's in the suitcase as well as three pieces of clothing that had a label inside that had the name T Keen the the initial T and the surname Keen K-E-A-N-E and Tommy they thought Keen is somehow connected thought, to this they case. thought this man yeah yeah t- Tommy Keen this, this must be Tommy Keen here right they looked through all the databases of all the missing people at the time and they couldn't find anybody by the name of Keen. They thought, oh, that's it now. We know his name's Keen. And they put his picture up and nobody knew who he was and there was no Keens missing. So it wasn't him. And they thought that maybe, look, he could have bought these secondhand clothes at the time people were stealing clothes off of washing lines. It's 1948, like some shit's going down. Maybe this guy was transient. Maybe he stole his clothes. Maybe he borrowed them from or bought them secondhand from somebody. Who yeah. knows? But they had two Maybe Keen he robbed them. trousers out of that bag. Maybe that's not that's his fucking luggage. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the, it's all so spurious and, and unidentifiable information. 
Uh, there was a table knife. There was a few metal tools, possibly for lock picking, uh, a couple of different scissors. Uh, and there was a stencil kit that we used to write on cargo containers and, sh- and, and ships. Fucking weird. Isn't that weird? That's a weird thing a to have in your suitcase. Kit. Yeah, do you know the way it's like, Acme, you know, And nobody whatever. claimed this ship. No one. Uh, p- uh, no, apparently this was the dude. That was, that was his case because the tickets matched up. But you're talking about 1948 police work. Like, this shit is... Yeah, you know, I love 1940s police yeah. work. Let's just throw it up in the air and if it uh, lands the right John way. John Mulaney does a great bit about this. Have you ever seen it? No. He says, uh, there's a pool of blood in the hall. Ugh, mop it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's Doesn't that's matter. it. Yeah, I mean, that guy must have deserved it, right? Yeah. It's I mean, so weird that they just went, ah, we'll never find him. Fuck it. What's in there? Scissors. But no, they, I have scissors at home. When does it become like... Like it doesn't straight away they're not going, This is the greatest mystery in the history of a strike. They're not, but it's just a dead dude that nobody's claiming. And we're talking post war, like how many people had died mm. in the last like in, in the five years previous. Imagine if you found imagine if we were going to war and like half of Dublin was decimated and half the people had died and then one cunt was found up an alleyway in Crumlin or something like that, be just like, Ah, it's just another dead lad. Yeah, but if he had a slip of paper in his pocket. Yeah, but, uh, who'd be looking for a slip of paper these days, man? They'd be looking to make sure there's no needles that they no, get stuck with when they're helping them. But no, we don't give all. a shit anyway. This Find is so a homeless weird person that it's now found. people don't yeah. give a shit. It's like, Anytime I want to know when it became, you know. An issue. An unsolved deal. mystery. Yeah. Like, yeah. When when did they, well, they call in, what's your man's name from Unsolved Mysteries? <laughs> I bet this was on Unsolved Mysteries. I'm, I'm absolutely sure. It's definitely on Case File. Because Case File is an Australian show. And it's, this guy's like, well, this is the greatest Australian mystery ever. Like that guy is like Your Australian real. accent's top notch. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's a different. Have you been to Australia? No, no. I, I do hope to go. We have a lot of Australian fans and they're all like, Going to fucking America? When are you coming down here, mate? All those Adelaide people. I was thinking about that in the cab. Now, Adelaide yeah. people are going to kill me for saying it's like the Texas of Australia. It's not. There's way more Texas-like places. Yeah, and it's it's a lot bigger than Texas. Yeah, it's quite an industrial place yeah. now. But uh, well, this, this is the thing. The, the reason it became so weird was because very soon after he was discovered, and very soon after all this weird stuff was coming out, because it was a public appeal, right? Mm-hmm. They put out a public appeal in the paper, going like. We we found some guy asleep on the beach, right? Don't know who he is. Anyone know? And uh, everyone's like, no. Okay, we found a piece of paper. Anyone know what that means? Like, they're very open and vulnerable with their... No, like, we're not really bothered. Like, you could find... I mean, is he your dad, your brother, your cousin? Surely he's going to be missed by Christmas. Like nothing is happening with this guy, <laughs> they're and they're just to like old people because Australian people are very laid back. Just so laid back, they're like, oh. "Wake him up, yeah, <laughs> give me a kick, mate." Sleep <laughs> now. If I can sleep it off, mate. If I was listening to to Australian people do a podcast about an Irish mystery, and they were like, and they were going, "What is such a random on the beach town?" <laughs> so there's probably Australian. I'm sure they get it. Going, I'm sure they get it. Stop. It's as good uh, as we can do. Lucky charms in my <laughs> accent. <laughs> stop. Uh, stop. Paul Hoganing us. But that is what's happening. Yeah. Like this is the police work that's yeah. going on. I mean, they're not, making these announcements, and as more and more of them come out, like, people are going. Hold on a minute. Fucking mystery. Yeah. Is that? Are they still fucking looking for that guy? Have they still not found who he is? No. Why? Is maybe there's a secret behind it. So, at what point does they do they start releasing the 
Tamil should. Oh, that was straight away. Like as soon as they couldn't figure out what it was, they were like, and another thing. <laughs> Come here, I tell ya. Like weird, right? Yeah, they don't use that expression, but no. they tell totally you should. What's it? What is it? No, commercial I tell you is such a Dublin. Is it? <laughs> I hear Damon Clark saying that all the time. Really? Yeah. Camille, I tell you. Well, maybe it's because he lives in Dublin. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. The majority in of Australia, my... In Australia, if you say commercial I tell you, you've got to travel a long <laughs> way in a lot of cases. <laughs> you made me come all the way over here to hear this shit. <laughs> a fucking guy who owns the fucking guy found the fucking book. He killed him. Now, yeah. let me go back to work. Open and shut case, mate. <laughs> Five hundred dollar he does. So the, the weird thing happened. The weird thing happened when this Jeston was was investigated a little bit deeper. Now, in 2013, the daughter of this woman called Jessica Ellen Harkness, uh, uh, her daughter Kate went on the Australian version of 60 Minutes, which they just call an hour. And uh, it turned out that her mother did know something about the Somerton man, according to her. And her daughter, Kate, revealed that Jessica was actually able to speak Russian. Dun, dun, dun. So could have been involved in some kind of espionage work during World War II. And her mother also said repeatedly over the years that the whole Taman Shud case was, quote, above a police state level. Mm. so don't fuck around with it the police don't know nothing this is above their pay grade and this is always where my brain goes now right anytime i hear this stuff i now at 37 years old suspicion <sighs> yeah i just go cops yeah Corruption. i just go cops yeah. i just immediately go oh we can't solve it it's because you fucking did it funny yeah. You being asked to investigate yourselves can't come up with an answer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All the police stations should be made of the mirrors. <laughs> I mean... So they can get a good look at themselves. But, like, there's so many cases in our country... Yeah, it should where be... Where it's like, like... Like the Ian Bailey case, for example. What's that? The West Cork podcast oh, is yeah, based yeah. on it. Yeah. People want to go and check that out. They yeah. love it. Deep and dark, that shit. This guy is... They basically pick a guy. Stitch them up, yeah. And go, we're going to get this guy. He's but they do that guy. in America the whole time too as well, you know? Yeah. Look at making a murder, same shit. But like... It's corruption covering incompetence. They, they, they totally... There's some... Somebody did this that, that... That like there's every chance that it's someone important. Yeah, and they're covering for it. Every and, chance. And in a, in a small town. Like the, just last week it emerged that... Uh, GSOC, the the organization that investigates the police, said that they identified missing evidence from the first day of investigation. A bloody gate disappears. Yet, even though they identified all of this, they said they couldn't identify any police corruption within it. How can you identify mm. missing evidence and no corruption? Oh, ineptitude, no corruption. I mean, the two are first cousins. Yeah, like absolutely. How, yeah, like this. This one covers for the other. Surely, I you're you're. You know, you, if you know, if you, as a cop, right? Yeah, we're trying to get to the bottom of an unsolved murder, and there's even a whisper in the station. Sergeant O'Haran knows knows more about this. Just maybe, just leave it to him. Yeah. 
you don't work that hard. That's all it takes, right? As well, though, you don't can't expect every single cop to be like a righteous Superman. Mm. So that's what a lot of this, uh, like, you know, the Black Lives Matter, the hands up, don't shoot. Like, they're like, you know, they're like pigs frying like bacon, hating the cops just because they're cops and blue lives matter and all this kind of shit. Like, all cops are people. And people can be inept, people can be selfish and megalomaniacal and can be... And also have their loyalty in the wrong place. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, have insecurities and vulnerabilities that can be taken advantage of, um, you know, financially, fam- familially, like socially. They want to keep their job because it's a job that pays their money, that pays their mortgage, that keeps their family. So they don't want to lose their job by standing up to somebody and getting blackballed if they've been in the force for 15 years or whatever. No 45 or 50-year-old man wants to have to totally change the full trajectory of his life. So um, this woman said that this goes above, like she said it's above all that shit. So like these dudes, I don't think it was ineptitude as far as the police goes because I think they were just like looking up into the sky looking for answers. Like these lads weren't corrupt. I don't believe. I think they just hadn't got a fucking notion what was going on. They hadn't got a notion. So she was suggesting, and even though it is just it's nearly seventy years later, on, yeah, something went on there now, yeah. and that's a very Irish thing to go. There's more to that. And you're like, oh great, well that's a brilliant. What an insight you've just provided. Mm. We're always doing that. There's more to this. Oh, well when you done. say the corruption and, and ineptitude are first cousins, I think a lot of the time, and let's take that gate, for example, maybe someone made a mistake and actually lost that gate. Actually, How like, do you lose it? I'm saying, hypothetically, they genuinely lost the piece of evidence. And they're like, oh, fuck, man, I had that in the seat of the car, and then I went to the Supermax. And then I ate the Supermax and then when I was throwing this stuff, I fucked it in a bin somewhere near Athlone. Or when I came out, it was gone. When I came out, it was gone. Like, genuinely did that. And then the corruption therein is to cover up their genuine mistake. Mm. And then through the gift of hindsight, we look back and go, that was corrupt from the start and that was blah, blah. It could very well be, like Hamlin's razor again, don't attribute to malice what can be explained away with stupidity or incompetence. You know, Maybe it was genuine human error that mm. then the corruption gets injected into it because yeah, of that. Because no one wants to lose their job over but like, firing away some cummy tissues by accident you from know, a rape I'm sure that uh, some of the guys that were involved in illegal insider trading... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. I, didn't, I didn't know it was illegal. I didn't know it was illegal. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best excuse. I just actually knew that well, information. this Kate woman came out in 2013. It was nearly 70 years later. Th- th- there's lads operating on this Somerton Man case now that want to fucking solve it straight up, right? So, one strange thing that could possibly tie Harkness, this Jessica Harkness, to the case more concretely is that copy of the Rubaiyat that was found in the back of that guy's car because there was letters on it, but there was also a phone number. Guess whose phone number it was? Fucking Jessica Harkness. In the back of the car. In the back of the book that had the page ripped out with Taman Shud on the back page of it exactly. And her phone number was in the back of it, as well as the name Justin, J-E-S-T-Y-N. And Jessica Harkness's house was only 400 metres away from where they found the Somerton man. Are we positive that piece of paper matches the book? Are yes. Are we positive yeah. that it's from that book? They obviously couldn't test. A co- a, a, like they The couldn't shape test. of the piece of paper and the shape of the back page of the book match. That's all we know. So we're not... We are not forensically sure that that... I know that I'm going back. Uh, forensically, again. no. It, like, yeah. And, then, and, I, then, and now the, the original artifacts have, are gone missing. Yeah. But there's more concrete evidence since that. That's only like 
that time and should thing only just led us to Jessica Harkness. Okay. It's it's in, inconsequential that that's the actual right. book. So let's proceed. The fact is that there was a book found with some the shit in it piece. that had her her name and more stuff ties her to this guy. So four hundred meters away from where the body was found is her house. In the back of the book, Jestin, which is a strange enough thing to write. Mm. Never mind with all the codes and numbers, but. Some of the nurses who worked with Harkness, because she was a nurse, some of the nurses that worked with her said, at the time, in the mid-40s, she went by the name Tina. So Jessica, Tina, Justine, is written in the back of the book. Maybe it was a, a pseudonym, maybe it was like a, a little nickname she had for herself, right? She worked in the hospital, she was four foot eleven. she was very small, and maybe they were like teeny tiny Tina. And they were calling her teeny Tina, tiny Tina, right? <laughs> That's what these nurses are saying. Okay, That's what okay. these nurses are saying. It is obviously a stretch, right? All right. No one can ask her now because she's fucking brown bread since 2007. But all the way through her whole life, she denied ever knowing the Somerton man. Now, when, at the time her name was Thompson, she was married into a, a guy called George Thompson. Uh, when Thompson or Harkness was asked to identify the body, the Somerton man, she couldn't tell, uh, she couldn't tell the police why her phone number was in the back of this book that the scrap of paper was torn. She couldn't I explain know. it. I don't know, woman. <laughs> the fuck with all that she couldn't explain it like i write my phone number everywhere you <laughs> <laughs> got in a fucking phone book mate <laughs> what are you bothering me for it's also a lot of other fucking shit written yeah. in the back of that book you're gonna find you're calling it, it a code you're gonna find some fucking polish guy that's his fucking name written out there in litters she was showing a plaster cast of this guy why to identify the body after okay. the fact because okay. they couldn't keep him keep him out of the ground <laughs> just, for so long. He didn't just yeah. go look what look we at made. Plaster. He was just lying around One there. One of the lads did a really good. He loves papier mache. <laughs> she was shown. It was the way you said she was shown. She was shown. Like, they were like, come in and have a look at this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about entering a for an art project, right? It's Project Stay on Tuesday. So she was shown this plaster cast because they couldn't keep him out of the ground any longer. He's falling apart like like a loaf of bread, right? And uh, she saw this plaster cast, and the guy that showed it to her, uh, Paul Lawson, who was the, the mortician who took on the case, said that she looked, uh, she looked like she was about to faint, or she was taken aback to the point, quote, to the point of giving the appearance that she was about to faint. Bollocks, first of all. But still claimed on. to not know who yeah, he was. Like, some dude says this. Like, do you really believe that? But do you believe that she didn't? Because afterwards she said, no, no, I was grand. And your man's like, she wasn't grand. Like, but ah, oh, she shit herself. But like, even if, like, she's contesting, I don't know this guy. Yeah. Right? So she's contesting. I don't know what you're And then she sees a, a plaster cast of his face and goes, oh my God, that is him. In fairness. If she did know him. Plaster cast. Some <laughs> like big fucking, you know. Yeah, but if you saw a plaster cast. If you saw a plaster cast of your missus, a face that you look at every day. Did and they sneak up on her with it? <laughs> Boom. Like, was if you're, that it? That if they, like, or was they it were massive? puppeting it. Was it like 60 feet tall? Like a, a wee bullet the lads inside it. it. Yeah. Like some weird German Like I'm beer sure there's festival. ways of scaring people with the papier mache Look at if, if Say, for, touch wood, God forbid that it happens, but if Tina went missing and they found her body. My and, Tina. Yeah. My wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so unidentifiable, let's say, for want of a better term, that they made a... a a papier mache cast out of it. I had you to try and go look at it to see if it was her, mm -hmm. rather than show you what was genuinely going on, which mm -hmm. is some some something a lot more awful. When you looked at it, would you would you be able to recognize her from a plaster cast? Um, a face you look at every day, of course. So she may have been in a relationship with this man. Maybe she knew him more than 
But I, she my contest, uh, contention is that if I was saying, I don't know any woman called Tina. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, lads. I don't know. Show me the fucking thing. Show me it. Show me. I'm like, all right, you've done an art project. Let me have a look at it. I won't go, oh, oh, my Swooned. word. I would go, nah, don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, but she couldn't hold it in. It was obviously, she was over emotional. And we'll find out maybe why in a little while. Oh. But over emotional. So in 1949, she requested as part of the investigation that the investigating police not name her in the case or keep a permanent record of her involvement in it. She thought it would harm her reputation, seeing as this lad, the Somerton man, was reported by witnesses to be seen calling around to her house. Oh, Lord. Holy shit. Bombshell. He, he called around that to her house. That was my next question was like, how the so fuck has nobody seen her with he, the guy? He called around dating? to her house asking about her. She wasn't in no one's answering the door. So he went to the neighbors and went, have you seen Jessica? And they were like, no, not around. And he died in front of her house with her name in the back of a book that he had a piece of the scrap paper in his pocket of. Like, that's a lot of things that link her yeah. to the case, right? Also, the book was about having no regrets. So obviously, if you were a narrator, if you were a, a story maker, you'd say, maybe this guy was in love with her and he was like living this mm. whole thing of no regrets. And he's like, you know what? If I don't get my Jessica back, I'm just going to... But still, you don't go around her house because she's not home. Go, oh, fuck it. Oh, I'm going to kill myself. Who, know, who knows? It was a different time, romantic time. People, she's men wore home. hats. Men you wore wait hats. until she comes home. <laughs> no, but this wasn't the night she died. He died that she wasn't home. This was like weeks beforehand. So obviously oh. he was in there before. Oh. Yeah. He was there at other times of, of the year. So he's obviously around. So now the place. suddenly everyone's fucking recognizing this guy. Exactly. So we're talking about the investigators and the researchers. Years later, uh, uh, we're still we're still using pseudonyms uh, uh, for for this guy, like uh, uh, Tina, Jessica. Like who 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 was she? Who is this guy to her? What, what were they trying to? We're trying to find out what the relationship was. The witnesses weren't able to give any more information, and um, George Thompson, who. I looked up and some, some people are saying his real name was Prosper Thompson and some were saying Prestige Thompson, but he was known to people as George. So it's a weird thing in different websites that were saying his name was different. But her husband never knew about this man or the case being linked to Jessica because Jessica asked the police never to let it be known. Did so you say his name was Prestige Prestige Thompson. Prestige or, Worldwide. Or <laughs> Prestige Thompson or Prosper Thompson. They're the two names I found Fucking online. great names. I didn't know these names were available for yeah. children. Yeah, you could call... Prestige lo- Regan. There's loads of... <laughs> <can> you imagine? <laughs> Quality Regan. Yeah. Nah. Prestige. What was the other one? Prosper. Prestige is just such a fucking great name for yeah. a kid. Equanimity Rochford. That'd yeah. be great. Suspicious Regan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was born with a tinfoil hat. So, so, they, so we're not so sure that the, the father didn't know. Like the, the husband never knew about this guy. I mean, let on that he never knew. So like maybe it was an affair that she didn't want anyone to know about. And that's why she told the cops, Sounds keep it like under it. your fucking hat, right? So George had been married in 1936 and was in the process of getting a divorce from his first wife to marry Jessica. And in 1946, a year after the war, Jessica became pregnant and moved in with George in 1947 early, but they only got married in 1950 when the divorce came through. So George was already married. Mm. He was cheating on his original wife with Jessica. Jessica, who could have been in multiple relationships and was possibly a, a Russian spy during the war. What's that based on? Because she based spoke on, because Russian. Because she spoke Russian, yeah. right? She was 
you know, fluting around the place. 1946, managed to catch a baby. Got, got moved in to, with George in 1947. And there was this fleeting moment when investigators thought they discovered the identity man using this uh, scrap of paper uh, where Jessica told the police that she was working at the Royal North Shore Hospital. So finally she cracked and went, okay, you want my link to the Rubaiyat? You want to find out why he had my name and the number in the back of the book? I'll tell you. I was working at the Royal North Shore Hospital during the war and she owned a copy of the Rubaiyat. And it's a fairly rare book, so the cops wanted to follow up and told them that she'd given it to uh, a possible lover. She said, I gave it to a, a former lover during the war called Alf Boxall, who was serving in the Royal Engineers, and she admitted to working in intelligence during the war in an interview in the 1970s, as did Alf Boxall. So the two of them were working in military intelligence, right, along with possibly the Somerton man, using the Rubaiyat as their... Mm-hmm. One time pad makes sense. She gave a copy of it to Alan Boxall, and the cops went, "Sure, this dead lad is Alan Boxall then?" Because the two of them were romantically involved. He came over to try and get the ride, found out she was married, and killed himself on the beach. Right? This was the narrative that they ran with. So they went looking for for Alf Boxall and trying to find out where the fuck is this lad. They found him alive, and he what? still ha- and they still had his copy of the Rubaiyat. Fucking hell! And he went look at the back page, and Tamam Shud was written on the back page, so it wasn't ripped out of his copy. And in the back of that book, Jessica had written to Alf Jestin, J-E-S-T-Y-N, the same name that was in the back of the book that was found in the back of the car that had a bit missing out of it from your man's pocket. Where did they find him, first of all? Uh, he was... Uh, Seems too neat. No, it was close by. It was somewhere, somewhere Seems close by. Seems too fucking neat. Somewhere close by. Funny that, that Weird. her name was written in the back of the book and then I he mean, happened to have his book fully intact. I mean, I mean just a little neat. It, oh it no, does. Uh, I actually have the book by the door right here, should you call <laughs> in. I don't know why I speak like this. It but does, yeah, he's from South America. It, it, does, it does lend to a strange espionage type narrative, right? It does, but doesn't it seem convenient? Well, she'd written out her favourite verse from the poem along with signing her name. Oh, she wow. said, to Alf, <clears throat> indeed, indeed, repentance oft before I swore, but was I sober when I swore? And then and then came spring and rose in hand. My threadbare penitence a pieces tore. You've got, a, you've got a beautiful reading voice. You should I mean, do a poetry podcast, we, really. We it's just Gordon reading different pieces of yeah, poetry. Words, the sad words. There's a lot of uh, lady listeners to this now getting yeah. hot and bothered as you. Emmett, when Emmett and Ed are on, um, <laughs> we have the sound, We can hear the sound of the fapping from Ireland all the way from across the sea. Imagine, uh, uh, repentance oft before I swore, but was I sober when I swore? And then came spring, my threadbare penitence a piece tore. Like, sorry about that, basically. Mm. Here's that, here you go, Alf. Um, I know I told you that we'd probably like end up together, but no, sorry. So it does reach a dead end there. It, you would think so. In that Alf Boxall's okay. It's not Alf Boxall. Yeah, you could. You he could, has his own. You could probably brush your hands book. and go, yeah, I'm good. But here's another twist. He killed himself. No, that's S10. Here's another twist. A man named George Marshall also came forward with a version of the Rubaiyat that was given to him by the famous Jestin, which now turned out to be Jessica, and claimed it was a seventh edition in London by a publishing house called Metawin. Because of the intelligence ciphers being attached to particular versions of rare books, which page numbers and page lines, the stuff I talked about earlier on for the one time pad, the books were passed on with the knowledge that if you have the wrong edition, you'll get nothing from it. So 
fake versions of these well-known books used for code transmissions were often passed between spies. For example, the, the version found in the car was lost, never to be found again. But George Marshall's edition could not have been as rare as he claimed, couldn't have been a seventh edition, because Methuen stopped printing the Rubaiyat uh, after the fifth edition. So George Marshall came and went, I'm something to do with Jessica, I know Alf Boxall, I know the guy in the back of the car, that book is gone, here's another version of the book, she has written her name in this one, she's definitely something to do with this because there's three versions of this Rubaiyat with her fucking name inside of it. One of them was the one that the piece of paper that was found in the dead man's pocket is from, so she's definitely something to do with it. And then what happened to George? George Marshall died of the worst case of suicide we've ever seen uh, from poisoning in Sydney in 1945, very close geographically to where Jessica Thompson and Alf Boxall were working that year, in the same year, even to the month that she gave Alf his version of the Rubaiyat. I mean... So both of them working in the place in Australia that both of them are not from. Cuffer boys. Book them away, toys. I mean, clearly... Seems like it. Seems like it. She's, she is a person of interest. Absolutely. And here's another bonus death. Nothing to do with Justin was the body of baby Clive Mungnesson, who was found in a bag in, in Largs Bay, Sandhills, about 12 miles from Somerton. Good part of the world to live, like, really. Largs Bay. Yeah, there's a lot of ba bag babies. Bag babies and dead bodies. Found beside this bag baby was his father, Keith, unconscious, and he was taken to hospital suffering from exposure. Keith was put into a mental hospital after treatment, and the baby's mother, Roma, reported being threatened by a masked man driving a car in town earlier that day. She was threatened to keep away from police or else, and she believed that this was related to the fact that Keith Magnuson was attempting to identify the Somerton man, believing him to be a, a named Carol Thompson, who he worked with in 1939 during the war. And calls were made to the Magnuson house and to authorities claiming that they would be killed if they interfered. And even the mayor of Adelaide got some death threats if he stuck his nose in. Hold the phone now. Slow it down now. So this guy... Roll some of this back. Order. This guy was called Thompson, who was pursuing a woman called Jessica Harkness, who ended up marrying another man called Thompson. And then another guy who had a book came and said, yeah, her name is in the back of this book. And he ended up suicided. Yeah. These Mongnesons were getting death threats saying, stay away from this shit. This is bigger than the state police. Like, this is bigger than you. Like, it's an awful lot of that stuff points towards espionage, right? Like, your face looks like... Well, I just think that it's so uh, tangled. Yeah. And whenever, like, my go-to on any conspiracy theory or mystery is, why has nobody blabbed? Yeah. Any, any crime investigator that I've spoken to about heists or terrorist organizations or gangs somebody always buys a fur coat and shows at the bar yeah someone always blabs what's the matter with you what are you doing what's the matter with you i fucking tell you what's the matter with you stop fleshing it around <laughs> yeah well, what's he, he he gets to drive around a pink cadillac over here it's exactly what's the matter with you someone talks what's remarkable when they found jolly regan in the freezer they knew it was over <laughs> i'm when i drink Pints. Aye. That's truth serum to me. It's one of the reasons I don't do it anymore. Mm. Bang. I'm like, what secrets do I have that I can tell everybody? <laughs> <laughs> and now you convince other people to do it on a very successful exactly. podcast. I love it. But someone should have blabbed here. Unless they were all members of the espionage community. That's in, the in, only in what reason. In which case they're all conditioned to exactly. shut the fuck up. That's the only reason it doesn't come out. 
the other the other time that it doesn't come out and again i've talked to people involved in that stephen avery case yeah the two lawyers jerry beauty and dean strang were Lo- on my podcast love the lads great guys yeah and i was like look they did lads. a thing in trinity and all didn't they, they? yeah, yeah. brilliant they amazing lawyers and, and righteous men you wouldn't meet two nicer yeah, dudes righteous right men. they i was like look lads i get it the swab of blood in the uh, in the uh, the way it was put there with the rav four in the, the s- nike swoosh the you know the dna on the hood latch the key found the in the key like i'm like i get it the bones were moved she definitely wasn't murdered there yeah but someone blabs and they're like Mm-mm. that thin blue line and the code yeah. of silence within um police organizations across the world even any authoritarian organization like military police well, like we have a lot of military listeners it's not just any that it is that it is you think it's, police? it's like that in in mantowoc wisconsin was strong enough for them all to keep stum. yeah in a gang of drug dealers it's not strong enough in a group of 10 year olds who smash some windows it's paper thin yeah when it comes to spies you die rather than tell. Sure. <laughs> I mean, this is why I keep signing that capsule in uh, my hollow tooth. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Like, it does. I will, yeah, no, I, I do agree with you, yeah. I, I think that that's the only way, because I'm like... You really have it in for the guards. I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I really do believe so. that, like, it does just point to, this is some fucking spy shit, shit that yeah. we're never going to know about. and Or maybe not. Maybe go. not, because it, it gets familial. This will throw a spanner in your works, Charlotte, right? The Somerton Mad, and this is, I, I found two little tidbits of information that I couldn't find on any other podcast, so I'm like, check this shit out, TCG fans. The Somerton Man had quite a rare genetic anomaly where the top part of his ear was as big or a little bit bigger than the bottom part of his ear. The top part was bigger yeah. than the bottom part. This, That's this the part same. up here, I must have that anomaly. Was bigger than the bottom, but than the bottom part. The the cavum what? is the is the is this bit, and the ca- uh, the canum is is this bit up here. So this bit was bigger than the bottom bit, and it occurs. Oh. It occurs in. It's one of the symptoms of this condition known as Marfan syndrome. This is I, I haven't heard this being talked about yet, right? So it's a genetic disorder that affects connective tissue. And it's symptomatically shown in places like the ear hollows, one bigger than the other. It also shows in prominent front teeth and a receding jaw with long and bunched up facial features known as hypodontia, uh, which is another symptom of, of Marfan syndrome. Now, chickity check this shit out. Jessica Thompson's firstborn son conceived in 1946, Robin, was born around the same time. And pictures given to Adelaide University professor Derek Abbott of Robin as a child led the investigation to surmise that Robin is in fact the son of the Somerton man because they both have the same genetic anomalies in the teeth and ears. And this is possibly why he was visiting Jessica Thompson to see the baby and when he wasn't allowed and when she said, I've already got a life, I've already got this thing, fuck off, that he may have committed suicide. Derek Abbott was a code cracker. It gets weirder. He was a code cracker and a scientist in the Adelaide University but abandoned these pursuits in investigating this case through the code alone from the back of the book, he abandoned these pursuits when nothing could be found in the code. And instead, he now campaigns for the exhumation of the body of the Somerton man for DNA analysis. Now, the Somerton man's front teeth were missing incisors, 
which means that the canines, the pointy ones, and the front teeth grew together without gaps, which means he has a smaller, more uh, uh, pushed together jaw at the front. And at the bottom, his chin, you can see in the picture of him when he's dead, there's a, there's a picture on the website where his jaw is a little bit bigger and the front underneath his, his nose is a little bit kind of bunched up. Uh, Robin had the very same thing where you have like that Ronan Keating kind of mouth where the two front teeth are there and there's no uh, incisors, there's just canines and the whole mouth closes in a little bit, right? Also, the ear hollow at the top was bigger than at the bottom. Uh, the, 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 the cavum uh, at the top and the, the canum at the bottom, Robin had the exact same thing and they looked identical, they had identical ears, the Somerton Man and Robin Thompson. And it's a one in twenty thousand chance to have one of those. To have both of those is a one in twenty right one in twenty million chance. That's what I'm saying, right? Get that body out of the ground. Now. So here's where it gets fucking crazy. Derek Abbott, who's trying desperately to try and get the Somerton man bodies ex- <laughs> exhumed to test for whatever DNA he can get. So they do have a set of hairs that were left in the plaster cast from the forties when they cast them to show Jessica or whoever after they were putting them in the ground because he was falling apart like a wet cake. There was three hairs that was left in the plaster and they had that DNA extraction methods at the time that weren't as advanced to be able to get a successful uh, result. So now they're going back to get some mitochondrial DNA which will be able to identify the mother of the man and be able to put him on the the kind of the DNA tree to say if he was indeed uh, Robin's father or or, or try to at least identify him. Mm -hmm. But the strangest, most craziest part of the story is that Abbott married his wife rachel in 2010 when he contacted her to send her a copy of the essay weekend article about assigning phd students to use computer software to solve code they met in person only sometime after this and decided to get married within a week and this woman unbeknownst to both of them derek abbott being a fucking investigator in the somerton man case and rachel his wife was the daughter of the son of jessica thompson so rachel is robin's daughter Right? But <laughs> Rachel was given up by her parents just after her birth, and her mother, Roma, gave up. Ro- Roma and Robin were her parents, gave her up for adoption, and she was adopted to New- a New Zealand couple who never told her she was adopted until she was in her late 20s. And then when she realized she came back to Australia, she was going to, she was in this uh, university where Derek Abbott met her while he was working on the Somerton Man case, sent her some shit, they met, they went, oh my God, I love you, got married, and then she found out that she was the daughter of this Robin guy, who's the, who's the son of Jessica Thompson, and Robin is the, the, the illegitimate bastard son of the Somerton man who Derek Abbott was investigating and ended up marrying the fucking Somerton man's granddaughter. Why is this not a movie? Like I By sheer understand. chance. How crazy is that this is shit? ridiculous. I found that online and I was like, no way. That's in none of the podcasts. How is that not a thing? Because it's too complicated. Isn't that mental? Right? It is because it's <laughs> people just like switch off. They're like, too many. Too, too many. many. Yeah. Right? So uh, she reached out she received a letter from her biological mother roma who was married to robin the son of the somerton man bastard son of the somerton man son of jessica thompson and she said listen this is the whole crack and rachel reached out then to her grandfather george and her grandmother jessica and jessica answered and said if you're looking for a grandmother it's not me probably knowing that this somerton man scandal was about to land back on her doorstep again can you imagine And Jessica only died in 2007, and six years later, her other daughter, Kate, came out and said, yeah, my ma knew how to speak Russian, and she was pure wily. So that's that. 
I would imagine that is that. I would imagine so. Wow. Yeah. But another extra little bit. The Somerton man was found dead on the beach and it was thought the cause of death was a heart attack due to some kind of poisoning, but the poison had been absorbed into the body, disappeared, right? The cause of death, though, is officially unknown, but his spleen and internal organs were abnormally uh, engorged. The spleen was three times its normal size, and the pathologist who examined the Somerton man after his death said there's no way that the death could have been natural, leading people to suspect a poisoning. No foreign substance was found in the body, however, and these espionage implications of coded books and all that stuff kind of said, yeah, it was probably like some weird Russian spy powder that disappears, right? But Marfan syndrome which the Somerton man had and which Robin had, uh, is suspected of, uh, 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 who the Somerton man is suspected of suffering from. Marfan syndrome can also be identified by a mutation in the fibrillin 1 gene, which can affect the regulation of osteoclast differentiation from primary bone marrow uh, and uh, monocyte raw cells. So what this means is that monocyte and mononuclear uh, phagocytes can be implicated in stroke-induced inflammation of major organs and the spleen. Uh, the, the MMs that are found in the spleen are an immediate reservoir of overproduced mononuclear phagocytes. So his, Mar- his Marfan syndrome caused these uh, mononuclear phagocytes, which is like extra white cells, extra cells that are going to make his spleen grow. So they thought he was being poisoned and that's why his spleen mm. grew and his liver was, was big. But... But the syndrome that he had would make this fibrillin 1 gene uh, affect the regulation of these osteoclast differentiations from primary bone marrow-derived precursors, making more blood than there should be in the body, which is what Marfan syndrome does. And that's why his liver was filled with blood and and caked blood. And that's why his spleen was massive, because his spleen is trying to deal with all this extra produced uh, antibodies and all these extra produced toxins that the marfan syndrome was creating so that the the police looked at his insides and went definitely poisoned nobody had known what marfan syndrome was and only years later when they found out because of the genetic anomalies like the teeth and the ears this is what happens with marfan syndrome so so he could have died a natural death yeah he could have died a natural death and not been poisoned at all and it wasn't an espionage story (laughs) he's just really good at jumping (laughs) it it could have been an espionage story of a spy you know who who was handing around all these books or maybe this rubaiyat was just given by jessica to fellas that she fucking rode and she was just like live live life with no regrets i don't here's a book read about me and have wanks forever maybe she was just doing that and then this one lad went, well, listen, I got you pregnant in 1946 and I want to see my son. And she's like, no. And he's like, listen, I'm fucking dying. I have, I have mad guts and uh, I'm dying. Like, can I see my son? And she's, like, and she's like, okay, here he is. He's like, hey, little fella. Okay. And then off he goes down I'm to the beach to the beach die. for a cigarette, but not the cigarettes that come in my packet. Yeah. Fancy ones. Type. And I keep one for after. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is like the, he, he knew it was coming. This is the. Yeah. This is one of those wow. things like where you, you go to get your, get, take off all your boxes, you know? How is it not a movie? I don't know. I don't know. It's one, yeah, of, the, it's one of the biggest thing. cases. Yeah, it's one of the biggest cases in uh, uh, Australia, like one of the biggest unsolved cases. So former UK detective uh, Gordon Kramer says the part of the code matched from the back of the book matched with ciphers found in World War II radio operation manuals. And he claims there's this thing called micro writing inside the bigger, more prominent letters of the note. And uh, basically, uh, Boxall had some notes in the back of his one as well. 
I don't see it, but there are words like Venom, referring to the secret post-war British aircraft, and LZ-5056, which was a Bulgarian flight from Sofia to London uh, at the, the day that the Somerton man had, had died. Um, so they think that he might be Bulgarian of origin and that he was flying from Sofia uh, to London and then somewhere, somewhere, somehow he managed to get to Australia instead. Why did they not exhume the body yet? I don't know. I that don't know. doesn't make any but sense. But they're making up these codes and they're trying to find like letters inside letters in the back of this page. Dig book. a like, hole. I, I, yeah, dig a hole and check the DNA. Also, uh, there's, there's, they thought it was solved in 2011 and it's been contested since, but they thought that the Somerton man's real name is H.C. Reynolds. Uh, which was a name found on the merchant seaman ID, which was given by uh, an another anonymous woman uh, gave in this uh, ID, uh, which puts HC's birthday right in the zone to make him possibly the Somerton man. The ears are visible in the picture and they have this rare condition, this uh, Marfan ear, uh, which means it could be the dude. But this woman who didn't want to be identified gave the idea to a Professor Henneberg of Adelaide University after hearing Deb- Derek Abbott's unsuccessful attempts to exhume the body. And she felt a bit of pity and she's like, well, I've been holding on to this ID. You might check it. He's got some <laughs> fucking weird ears. So Henneberg is specialized in the field of biological anthropology and he positively identified these ears as the Marfan syndrome ears of the Somerton man. And some online sleuths have then went on to debunk this theory using Ancestry.com archives, uh, according to the website, and uh, good old internet gumption. But it seems that, like, they still haven't found out who this guy actually is. I think they should just fucking dig him up, get some DNA, and close this shit off, because it's 70 but years now. But there's an industry now. There's yeah. good... True crime. to be sold, like, and... Loads of science to be done. These suckers just listen to a podcast about it. No. <laughs> Your listeners are not suckers. It depends, they're, if they're in like, the mood. I don't know listeners that uh, invest as much time in a podcast as yours yeah but it's uh, like we go into that information i try i try to find out everything about that relationship that that alan boxall or alf boxall george marshall jessica thompson george thompson robin thompson and then like Derek abbott and his wife rachel like that whole kind of cabal those six or seven people together are definitely linked with that dead man like no question no question about it there's something fucking odd and but weird i just find on. it so weird that they wouldn't blab yeah like at some point well half of them are dead now well like on your deathbed you know this yeah. is the thing it's like like i mentioned in those cases where fellas are about to be hung and they've been found guilty they didn't do it they the 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 thing that has moved people towards campaigns to clear their names yeah is that with the hangman in front of them is that i didn't do it and i tell you now because I'm about to die and who gives a fuck? Yeah, if I did, I tell you. Yeah. Could it not be just the old old-fashioned shame like a woman conceived a baby out of wedlock and a mar- a woman a, a man married her up and brought her into the house so she could never like ruin that man's name or her family's name. Like think about how many women give up kids for adoption here in Ireland to the nuns. Didn't open their mouths. And haven't never opened their mouths and, and took that shit to their grave. And there's people out there that are related to other people and they don't know. The other uh, thing that used to happen and like I have to send good authority from people yeah. in that part of the country is the girl would get pregnant and she, she wouldn't go to the Michael. No. She'd be buried in the bog. Mm-hmm. Like, Came over. we've no idea of the shame, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because it would so, bring a shame on the whole family. Yeah, like. The shame is a, is a big part of it. But then they were dying in 2007. Yeah, That's but still that shit lingers, man. You know, you can, I think we were talking about, I don't know if it was on the show or on the break, we are talking about people people's beliefs and religious beliefs. Like, people will keep that shit, mm. your mate coming along and going, ah, oh, that's a bit blasphemous. 
Like, even though it makes no sense in 2018, it makes no sense. But still that kernel of whatever is still living inside him where you're going, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Mm. So that thing will go with her to her grave. And that's the shit we have to pray to get people out of purgatory for. Like, it's those secrets because everyone has those secrets. And the church can take advantage of that by going like, now I know you have secrets and they have too. So you give me money and pray for them so they can get away and hope that when you die, people will give money and pray for you to get you past your awful things. Isn't it nice that we all assume that he was an innocent man? Yeah, he could have been an awful cunt. Could have been a bollocks. Could have been baiting her around the place like, with his fat spleen. There could be a, there could be any number of awful things connected to this man, but the fact that he died alone, yeah, anonymous. And we were putting it all on Jessica for being an unwed yeah, mother she's and awful, <gasps> giving yeah. out these books, keeping a secret. I mean, he may have been there to kill her. Yeah, maybe she did it first. Maybe he was trying to take the child away, and she hit him with a fucking a kettle or an iron or a shovel and then she was like oh i have to get rid of the body and then got her husband george to just be like come here uh do you remember the way you met me when i was pregnant and didn't say nothing yeah i need your help again let's go boom lift this cunt down the garden <laughs> and leave him 400 meters away from my house maybe that happened well there would have been a shovel mark in his head or mm. he, he did have uh, blood pooling not in the position he which indicates he didn't die in that position on the beach he may have died lying down flat and so someone placed him like that. So is this you coming down? Well, let's get off the fence the then. Fence let's now. find let's find out then, Jared. You go first then. What do no, you What I do you think you actually happened? Okay. Is this the way it usually works? Yeah, you go first and, and then, then you. Yeah, because I've I read the story, so it kind of sounds, people right. know kind of what I'm into. Okay. <laughs> what I believe. <laughs> yeah, well. What do you think? I would think, having had the case presented as well as you have done, and thank you for having me on the show. No problem. That the Somerton man is an individual who I would say was sick. Dying. Dying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe in the poison. I think that if those organs are like that, the most uh, logical explanation would be using a bad way. They're like that for a while. Your Med- spleen doesn't grow three times its size overnight. Medicine being what it is. Mm-hmm. Dude's in bad health. He comes to this town. To try and make contact with this woman because he's about to die. Yeah. And I think he, he's saying goodbye, right? That's why he has the ticket. He's literally closing off his business. Yeah. And sits down and doesn't get up. And it's that simple. I think it's that simple. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, she's connected to it. I think that, yeah, that uh, she's never going to say it, but... That was her boyfriend some time ago. Yeah. Came to the town to say goodbye because he knew he was going to die soon. Sat down on the beach on a hot day and didn't get over. That's yeah. that. What do you think about the suicide of George Marshall? That he was going to blow the whistle on the Somerton man and someone went, no, no, no. And he had the worst case of suicide I've ever seen. Well, if we know in Ireland what the rates of suicide are here and in a lot of cases... Uh, people don't want suicide such a terrible thing to talk about mm. because in a lot of cases people don't want to die they want to die in that moment yeah and that's why so often when it goes wrong a person gets their life back together because they realize oh wow that was a really bad moment but I did that was the thing I thought live. I wanted yeah and that's really heartening for people that also lose people to this terrible thing because they think oh I wasn't there for them no they didn't want to die they just wanted to die in that moment yeah so knowing what i know about suicide 
I really do think that, unfortunately, men make really stupid, impulsive decisions with their willy and with ropes around their neck. And I would think that that's a totally unrelated thing. Yeah. Okay. Now, you. People uh, don't care what I think. They care they what do, you think. They do. They do. I want to find out what you think about the book. Is the code in the back of the book a real thing? Or is it just like scribbly nonsense and he just had the phone number in the back? The, the, what do you think about the jesting? I really stand by my theory that the uh, the code is bollocks. Code is bollocks, yeah. Scribbly, scribbly, so on do, a bus. <laughs> so do the, the majority of the top world-class code breakers. They? they think, well, they can't solve it, so it's obviously bollocks. It's bollocks, yeah. yeah. There's no rhyme or reason to yeah. it. Um, and what else is there to the know about the The phone book? number and Jestin. Why is Jestin in all of these three books? This George's book, Alf's book, and the Somerton Man's book. I think is she giving out these rubaiats around the place? I do, yeah. I to do the former lovers. That. Yeah, I do believe that. Just like, here's a poem I, I could like. I go along with that, yeah. I've given uh, Jack Kerouac's The Road to about 15 people, I'd say. I've had about 15 copies of it, yeah. And you just love it that much? Yeah, I've read, I've read it. Every time I read it, I buy it, I read it, and I give it to somebody. Really? Yeah. I, do it I, haven't done, I haven't read it for about six years now. But I feel kind of bad that you've given me one. I used to do that a lot. Well, I haven't got one in the house. If I had one, you'd have it. But it's... Uh, Does that make... Do, am I, I used being to, I dismissive used to, and thinking that that's just the simple explanation is... Yeah, of course, there's other guys that she's given this book to. She loves this book. It's like yeah. somebody who's obsessed with Fight Club. Yeah, maybe they for you force your 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 girlfriend to watch it. Well, think about the think about the decisions that she made. These were she the DVDs up, of the time. She, yeah, she ended up like marrying a man that she maybe didn't feel like was her one true love, but he was stable and he was secure and he was able to take her on even though she was with child. And he was in a fucked up marriage, and it was his marriage was ending as well in 1939, and it took like 11 years for him to get his shit together to marry Jessica Thompson. Um, so the two of them were maybe in a happy place relationship-wise and they found each other and that maybe Jessica was, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places for a while and ended up giving out this book to a lot of people and mm. then eventually found this thing. Like, the the whole essence of the book is no regrets. So she's living in a life that had obviously had some element of regret. Maybe she's done something awful during the war or mm. maybe she didn't... Love the Somerton man with everything that she should have. Or, type. or maybe she's just she mad. Just like, she's just like YOLO. That like, yeah, that it's like no regrets, write as many people as you can. Yeah, YOLO. Enjoy the life in the moment. <laughs> like there wasn't too much literature like that at the time, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah, well, this is from 11th century, so it was nearly eight, 900 years old. Or some, <laughs> quite, some cunt's just going, Omar's like, fucking living for the weekend. Like, yeah. doesn't give a fuck, like, you know. So I want to hear your version of events. I think that this was a guy who was, like you said, dying. He had a terrible genetic disease that was debilitating him. Even though he was athletically fit, there was some, you know, epigenetic things that were de deconstructing his organs and deconstructing his 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 life. And that um, he, like you said, went to say goodbye because he knew that he had fathered a child with this woman because he'd been around before, so he knew the kid was his, and just took a bad turn and ended up dying on the beach. So I, you and I are on the same page. On that part of it, yes. I do think the two of them met while they were doing espionage stuff during World War Two, and that's why she's able to speak Russian and there was all these ciphers and codes. I think the codes in the back of the book may be bullshit or there could be those one-time pads for, and the Rubaiyat was the code. Um, and with Alf and George and Jessica all pretty much admitting to being involved in espionage and Alf and Jessica in interviews in the 70s said yeah I was definitely involved in espionage 
like it doesn't leave any room for doubt there mm. like there was some shit going on world war Two wise but fucking wasn't there everywhere mm. do you know how many how many babies were conceived during the blitz that's why they call them baby boomers because the guns hadn't fuck all to do in the dark only just try and find a, a wet spot <laughs> do you know it's just like oh jerry jerry's above us come on can you hear the planes come on just touch it for a second just touch the tip just 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 for a minute we, we might die tonight darling come on and that's that's you know if that's not the best reason to get someone to touch your dick like that you're about to get blown up by a german german luftwaffe yeah men will stoop to that level yeah he'd just like, be he'd just be turning off the lights and then, cigarettes and then going uh, pretend to be a plane outside do you hear that just touch it for a second I think that the codes in the back of the book may be bullshit. And if no one can figure them out yet, like we have like quantum computing and shit. If no one can figure out a bunch of letters. I mean, some lads have tried, yeah. uh, you know. The biggest to, brains in the world work. Yeah. A is one, B is two. Like it doesn't fucking, <laughs> it doesn't work. The fact that her phone number was in the back of those books and that Justin was written in all three. Damning, yeah. Like she's out there giving the socks and. Yeah, she's giving it the Rubai ash going like, fuck it. You got herpes off me. No regrets. What's the name like, in her, the book? Jess. Jestin. J-E-S-T-Y-N. And I mean, you know, fair play to her. If she's out in 1948, giving it around, fucking swishing yeah, her skirt. Nothing fair wrong fucks, with that. Nothing wrong with that, man. And giving it a book that says no regrets. I do think the genetic thing, I think Robin, uh, definitely, it's not proven, but it definitely has to be the mm. Summerton Man's kid. No question. So the narrative of him showing up, I'm dying. Listen. I still love you. I've always loved you. Take care to of the me, kid. The big mystery is why don't they fucking take him off? Yeah, and that's like, happening. Seventieth anniversary is happening, is happening now. Uh, uh, Dave Abbott is is trying his absolute best to get the Summerton Man exhumed so they can get some DNA and finally put the lid on this yeah. thing. So everyone in Australia, if you uh, if you have any things that you need to sign or any website or something that you need to to go and fill out a a, yeah. a thing of to to make sure that that we'll happens sign. make sure it happens to fucking end this shit yeah but also for him yeah you know some weird thing where you need to just let the man rest yeah with his weird ears good chat though yeah but that's it for the for those conspiracy guys for this time anything we got wrong or any uh, corrections or any extra stuff you want to let us know about facebook twitter instagram reddit those conspiracy guys rt conspiracy guys we have the website those conspiracy guys.com and then we're gonna say go fuck yourself yeah. <laughs> anything we got wrong we're not interested in sometimes, hearing the episodes over sometimes flat earth we, we, we said that um if you uh want to get in touch with us I, I we have a discord server and i'm on that all the time so you can find the discord link uh in uh, you can email me or ask me further you can find it in some of the social media uh, descriptions or if you want to uh, join up to the lifeblood of the show, which is patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys, join in. You get your extra uh, channels. The Patreon has secret channels and Discord, and there's loads of people. I think there's like nearly a thousand people in there now, all having a banter on the regular, sharing their news and resources and, 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 and all theories. this kind of stuff. Theories, yeah, big time. Yeah, there's I'd love community. to see what they say about this. It's deadly stuff in there. Great, because great I guarantee you there are loads of people that are going, no, yeah. she buys in them. Yeah. She buys in them, did it. Right. Maybe she, maybe she you're right. Lad maybe, maybe he was a con. Maybe he showed up ready to bait the head off, and she hit him with a ro- with a rock. Well, she, if she's got a spy history, she knows how to do shit. You know, and make I've it look like Red an accident. Sparrow. Make it make it look like an accident. <laughs> uh, isn't it so funny how they spent so long trying to keep her boobies off the screen, and then the minute that yolks were leaked, that she's just like, "Yeah, okay, boobies well, and movies now." I I know what happened there was yeah. that that was mentally she was like you don't own it i have to own I it do. yeah you have to own it i'm in charge of that you watch red spiral you get to see your boobies well done and uh also if you want to go and have a look at that gofundme gofundme.com slash tcgtv 
to make 12 documentaries for your viewing pleasure uh, it'll cost you the price of a pint and we just need another 13,000 of you to do that or less I think about eight, eight or 9,000 but don't think that somebody else is going to do it go and fucking do it now yourself click this thing there's a link in the description pick up your phone now before you end the show click the link go in paypal gets a fiver bang you're done if you don't want to use gofundme you can actually donate on paypal paypal.me slash those conspiracy guys as well and all it leaves me to do is say thank you very much but nobody to my ever interviews you gordon nobody does nobody ever will gets i to the real gordon well maybe they do I, i'm well, pretty we're open we're gonna do that on irishman abroad when you come on okay well i'm gonna be on jarlett's show so you can go and listen to irishman abroad anywhere you can get uh, uh, podcasts and there's also a facebook page and a twitter and a, yeah, the whole yeah. shebang and you can get all the information about jarlett at jigzer.com including some of his awesome artwork you still do all the yeah the greeting, greeting cards, cards are still up there the not so uh, family friendly greeting cards well i i, I enjoy a good titter and uh, you have those new shows coming out then uh, Men Behaving Better which is class first episode that I've listened to it already and the Irishman Behind Bars Behind Bars is on the Patreon so patreon.com slash Irishman Abroad to get uh, a look at Charlotte's thanks Netherwares lot, thanks for being on the show Let's man do a handshake like that thank you on the thing okay that's it for those conspiracy guys I've been Gordon Charlotte and we will see you again next time bye